Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Using free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show. As the clock strikes 13, it's Wednesday, the 18th of August, year of our Lord, 2021, day 522. Of America held hostage. Today we're going to take a look at reports by CNN in terms of the oppression of women and how amazingly similar it is to their calls for oppressing the unvaccinated. And it raises a question. Is Fauci worse than the Taliban? We'll see. Stay with us. Okay, for those of you listening to the podcast, this is the, uh, uh, the, the video that's gone viral of the Taliban dancing, but it's my soundtrack. <laughs> uh, they got some very unusual moves. I think, uh, you know, instead of the monkey and the swim, uh, we've got the thrust with the AK-47. Watch this guy. Looks like uh, Igor from Young Frankenstein. <laughs>
Just some wild and crazy guys, right? <laughs> Some hats down, Steve Martin there doing the uh, <laughs> walking like an Egyptian or whatever. Okay, yeah, those guys, uh, just lots of fun, right? They're, they're having a great time, as I pointed out yesterday. Now, if you go back to Alan Sherman, uh, hello, Mullah. Hello, Fatwa. Uh, things are very entertaining here at the camp. We think we'll have some fun when we start raining. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Of course, you've also seen the other, <laughs> the other videos. I'll just show you this real quick. The, the merry-go-round, right? Uh, this is the merry-go-round video from... Uh, a French news service. I'm a kiddie merry-go-round. The lights went low. We both said, oh, and the merry-go-round went. That's right. That's uh, Mo, Larry, and Curly right there. And the uh, bumper cars. That's great. You notice something that's missing here? Women? That's what we're going to talk about coming up here. It's all uh, just these uh, these guys uh, <laughs> playing on the bumper cars. That kind of reminds me of a few years ago when I showed the clip. It was a Wall Street Journal article, and they had um, – it was in Saudi Arabia. And uh, they were getting a lot of criticism because they would not allow women to drive. And I was pointing out that it was what was coming – to the rest of us. And what they were doing was they showed uh, women, they would have one day a week where it would be women only at the amusement park. And uh, so there'd be no men. Uh, There'd be women attendants and women everything. And they could go in, and at that point in time, the women were allowed to get on the bumper cars. And they were so excited because it was the only thing they'd ever been allowed to drive. And I said at the time, that's what they want for us. There you go. Good job, Travis. I didn't even give you a heads up on that. Yeah, that picture right there. The women in their burkas, of course, uh, wearing the mask. Wearing the mask, and that's what we're going to talk about here. But, you know, women in burkas uh, driving their little bumper cars because that's the only time they could ever do that. And, of course, uh, what we saw uh, yesterday, last couple of days, that was Taliban Day at the amusement park. Only Taliban allowed on the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the merry-go-rounds and the bumper cars. But lest we understand exactly who these guys are, <clears throat> kind of the, it also reminded me, I won't burden you with a lot of uh, musical tunes here, but it reminded me of the Pirates of Penzance, uh, where <clears throat> the, the uh, policeman's lot is not a happy one. As they point out, you know, when a felon is not engaged in his employment or maturing his felonious little plans, his capacity for innocent enjoyment... Is just as great as an honest man's. <laughs> when the cutthroat isn't occupied in crime, he loves to hear the little brook a-gurgling and listen to the merry village chime. When the coster's finished jumping on his mother, well, I guess she probably wasn't dressed appropriately in a burqa, um, he loves to lie a-basking in the sun, taking one consideration with another. Uh, the lot of the world's policeman is not a happy one, right? 
I don't think we should be the world's policemen. I don't think, I'm not making a case that these guys aren't monsters. I'm just making a case that we don't go abroad seeking monsters to destroy because we haven't really done a good job of that my entire life. Uh, it's a mission doomed <clears throat> to failure. It is a mission that is morally, legally bankrupt, and it bankrupts empires. And so the people who know them best are not assured by their displays of uh, merriment, we should say. Because as you see, the people trying to jump on this plane, yesterday we talked about how there's one of these um, uh, large transports, C-17, took off. You could see people dropping off of the plane. Uh, here's some of the people that were on the plane just before it took off. You can see, look at the massive mob there. I mean, if you're a pilot, you've got to wonder if you're going to be running over some of these people. They're running next to the plane, under the plane, in front of the plane. And then you got guys hanging on the plane. You had some guy, uh, while he was on the plane, uh, one of the guys that you see there on the plane was taking pictures of the crowd and then turned around and took pictures of himself. I don't know if he survived, if he got off before it uh, took off, or if he's one of the people who fell off as it uh, uh, went up. Uh, they had, as they landed one of these planes, they did find that uh, there were the remains of a body in the landing gear. So these people are pretty desperate to get out. Now, maybe they just want to come to America, but maybe they're pretty desperate to uh, understand what life is going to be like under the Taliban. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, about what some of the Christians are now anticipating there, asking for your prayer, by the way, uh, there. Uh, really on the line. And uh, so uh, with all of that, we have a CNN reporter who talks to um, Taliban officials about, of all things, a mask. Now, not a Fauci mask. Uh, they're very upset to see that anybody would be required, that uh, females would be required to do that, because I guess, you know, it's only okay to do that to Americans or to unvaxxed Americans, except now they're doing it to vaccinated Americans as well. And as she was uh, filing her report, and of course this is the same woman that you saw in the, uh, in the report yesterday, you know, difference one day versus the other, uh, that's uh, pre-Taliban and post-Taliban. But she's not even following the full dress code there in the lower picture, as she explains. Uh, she's getting pretty daring she has both her face and her hands uncovered uh, because, you know, just like uh, they've got a different reason for why they do it here uh, or there in Afghanistan than they do here. Here you've got to you know, wear the gloves because you touch anything, you're going to be getting COVID or passing COVID on. You've got to cover your face because, you know, it's COVID. It's a Fauci fatwa. And so here's what she tells the, uh, the folks back home on CNN about how Things are like there with the burkas. This she goes to Burkamart. She's standing right there in front of Burkamart. And as you notice in this, <laughs> so there's one business that is really doing a booming uh, uh, trade here, and that's uh, the burka people. And there at Burkamart, as you look at the, as she's talking about this, you'll see them in the background, and they have them hanging there in front of the um, the stand. It's kind of like a flea market, and <clears throat> you can get any color burka you want as long as it's black. <laughs> it's like a Model T. Uh, here's her report. There's one shop that's doing pretty good business at the moment, which is not entirely surprising. This shop here, 
which is selling burkas. Burkas are all consuming, all covering. Get them uh, while they're black. Attire that are very common in Afghanistan, were particularly common under the Taliban and are enjoying now something of a renaissance because as the Taliban have come back into town, more and more women the are afraid to walk ages. down the street, even wearing very conservative uh, attire like I am wearing now. And so we actually talked to the shopkeeper a little while ago, and he told us that he's been selling a lot more burqas because people are frightened. They're coming out, they're buying them for their wives, their daughters, whoever they buy it may masks be, because, because they're frightened. they feel that from now on, this is the way for women to be safe on the streets. And this is how it starts, right. okay? You because have to wear the mask because the otherwise Taliban you're not going to be safe on the street. Again, women's rights will be protected. Women will be allowed to be educated. Women will be allowed to go to work. But when you have women so afraid that they're going out to buy burqas because they're worried to be seen on the streets, even dressed very conservatively as I am, you start to understand how the space for women becomes smaller and smaller, how their rights become uh, marginalized, and how they ultimately become disenfranchised. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's fear. People are running to the burqa mart to get their burqas, which is the face covering. And it's because, you know, if you're out and about, <clears throat> it's not necessarily a virus that they're worried about. They're worried about the religious police. But we have religious police here, too, right? It's the religion of the CDC and of Fauci and all of you heretics passing out disinformation. You have to be very concerned about this. And so it's amazing, isn't it, the parallels. You have um, most of the shops shut down. You have one essential shop because they're selling burkas. People are buying them out of fear to protect themselves like we buy masks. And uh, then, of course, there's the other aspect of this, the sheltering in place, you know, for your own safety, the apartheid aspect. Now, of course, this is horrible because this is only being done to women. Our religious dictators here in America, they're equal opportunity. They do it to men, women, and children. For the most part, I want to be clear, the Taliban have been polite to us and they have been welcoming. They have told us we can continue with our work. Uh, while they made clear in an interview I did with them yesterday that they believe a woman's face should be covered and that her hands should be covered, nobody has asked me to cover my face or cover my hands. We haven't seen a single woman uh, in camera frame anywhere near you. Are, are, are they out and about? I have to say that I cannot see, I can see one woman in the distance in a burqa. But other than that, I cannot see a single woman on the streets. And it's just part of reality. You're going to see far fewer, fewer women on the streets because women are frightened and they can't trust the guarantees or the assurances that they've been given by the Taliban because they know differently from history. They know differently from rural areas where the Taliban is in control. And so this is really a pivotal moment for the Taliban to, to, to step up and show that they're serious about this and that there will be uh, full women's rights accorded to them. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that will happen, right? Uh, she does express cynicism, skepticism, that they're going to do what they said in terms of, oh, we're, you know, we're from the new government we're here, here to help you. Uh, but for the most part, the women are sheltering in place, trying to get their face coverings. Uh, don't walk around. And you notice how this uh, reporter 
Uh, her name is Clarissa Ward, CNN's chief international correspondent. Uh, she says, uh, well, people are very skeptical of what the government says because they say one thing and they do another. Well, we would never say that about our government, would we? No, not, not at all. <clears throat> and um, so, you know, some people there in Afghanistan have some conspiracy theories about the Taliban itself. Uh, how unlike what we have in America. Aren't you glad that we have a system like this in America? Because, you know, they've said uh, you can see in rural areas how the Taliban has been ruling. And we can see in urban areas how our Taliban has been ruling people and demanding apartheid. Places like New York, people like New York City, Los Angeles. Taliban commander Assad Musad Kistani <clears throat> told Clarissa Ward that Islamic rule will be implemented gradually, just, just like our Taliban is here. You know, the difference is we have a Taliban. Now, they work in conjunction with a television media. So we should call ours the Taliban. Completely different, right? Not at all the same. It'll be done gradually. But you should not be afraid. Quote, how do you protect women? Because many women are afraid they will not be allowed to go to school. They'll not be allowed to go to work. Maybe we say the same thing about the unvaccinated. Uh, and he says, the female, the woman, can continue their life, and we will not say anything to them. They can go to school. They can continue their education. So the Taliban commander. Yeah, you're just a conspiracy theorist giving people misinformation about our wonderful country here. Uh, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She says, uh, they just have to cover up. She says, so like I'm wearing? And you saw how she was dressed. She had a headscarf, but she had a naked face. And they hate naked faces as much as Fauci and our public health dictators, our Taliban, hate it. And he says, uh, well, um, <clears throat> he says, uh, no, not like you. Covering their face. Covering their face. Now, why do they have to cover their face, she says. I would say, here in America, why do I have to wear a mask? And he replies, because it is our Islam. And CNN would reply and say, because it is our religion from Fauci. It's our CDC dictates. It's our science. She asks, is it in Islam that you have to wear a burqa? He says, of course, of course. Because, you know, the experts have decided, and there is no debate about what's in the Quran, about what is in science, about what is in the data. 
We don't do any of that stuff. We're so much more enlightened in the West, aren't we? I mean, is there out there telling everybody, you better not do this, you better not do that, don't, you cover your face, or you stay sheltered in place? We have this in Western civilization. Stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbors. Please keep to your bubbles. It comes down again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum. Wear a mask and make sure you keep up that physical distancing. Isn't that nice? I mean, it's all different here. See, in the West, we don't have to worry about that because we have women leaders like Jacinda Ardern who has locked down the entire country of New Zealand because of a single case and telling people don't talk to each other, don't go out, don't walk past each other. So it's all completely different, right, with our CDC religion. We're not at all like the Taliban. We have the Taliban, and we have women leaders who can dress like men if they please, and they don't have, to, they don't have a dress code of anything, and they can do whatever they wish. And so we're so much more enlightened, aren't we? Uh, you just better make sure that you don't make fun of any of them or question their authority or dispute their information, or their unlawful edicts. So uh, women are back on Afghan television. They've got some window dressing going on, seriously, as they're restoring order, they said. And, you know, they've been mostly peaceful. There's only been one summary execution so far. Uh, so that, that's something, you know, they've turned over a new leaf. I mean, just one execution in one day, that's, that's pretty good, right? Uh, Taliban will be allowed to stay on Twitter as well. See, Twitter likes them. You know, they can ban conservatives left and right. They can ban Trump. And, um, but you know, the, um, (laughs) they can stay on Twitter as long as they don't glorify violence. Like, you know, Trump and the January the 6th guys that are out there, they, they glorified violence. They questioned the election. They questioned the authorities. You have uh, NIH director Francis Collins Fauci's quote-unquote boss, although Fauci makes more money than he does. Fauci's been there longer than he has. Fauci is the one who really knows how to talk to the media because whenever Francis Collins gets on, he says crazy stuff like, you know, parents need to be wearing masks at home with their kids. And in that same vein, he had some more amazing pronouncements on Fox News Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> he was um, saying that... Um, We don't have to worry about the migrants coming across the border uh, where the vast majority of them are testing positive, refusing vaccines, but being allowed in anyway. As a matter of fact, being put on planes without masks and shipped everywhere, as we have at the same time we have the, the administration talking about how we filthy Americans need to have vaccines before we'll be able to fly pretty soon domestically. We're not ready for that yet. They have to get us a little bit more conditioned to accept that, but that's the plan. They've already admitted that's the plan. You already know that's the plan. They've already stopped people from coming into this country via airplane, even if they've tested negative, if they're not vaccinated. And they're going to stop you from flying from state to state if you uh, uh, don't have the vaccine as well. And so Francis Collins, when asked by Chris Wallace, Chris Wallace said, uh, well, you talk about dealing with a science and dealing with facts. I'm going to ask you about that. He said parts of Texas, the positivity rate for COVID among some of the illegal migrants coming back across the border is over 10%. That's a very conservative number. Very, very conservative. But that's Chris Wallace. Anyway, he said, how responsible are they 
for spreading this wave of COVID that is sweeping the country right now. So Chris Wallace has to push the new pandemic. Meet the new pandemic is completely different from the previous one, right? Or no, maybe it's not. Anyway, uh, so Collins says, uh, well, they have very significant masking requirements there at the border. But it's certainly possible. But, you know, let nobody try to say that that is why the U.S. is in trouble. He said Texas, Louisiana, Florida. He says um, the rate of infection is much higher than it is in Mexico. And I think that's a bit of a distraction. We've got enough of a problem with our own citizens who have refused to roll up their sleeves. So that'd be a better thing to focus on. See, you are the problem. And it's not going to be a problem for the thirty to 80,000 Afghans that they're going to be bringing in. Do you think they'll be vetted for political beliefs? Do you think they'll be vetted for COVID? Will they be coming in wearing masks? You saw the pictures of the crowded belly of that C-17, 800 people there, cheek to jowl, nobody wearing masks. And I'm not saying that they should. I'm just talking about the hypocrisy of our Taliban here in America. Uh, they have um, one thing that they've done in Taliban, which, uh, in uh, Taliban Afghanistan. They have promptly banned Trump shots. <laughs> They're not that crazy, maybe. Uh, they're not all bad. The Taliban has banned Trump shots being distributed in Paktia. Uh, the public health director did it, actually. The Taliban has warned regional hospital employees to stop distributing the vaccine. And uh, NPR and the New York Times and uh, fut- Futurism, they're very upset about that. They call that a draconian demand. A draconian demand. They're, they're going to dr- demand. They're going to demand that you can't take the, they're not going to put out the vaccine. Isn't that horrible? Can you imagine? I mean, you know, this life-saving elixir that uh, <clears throat> we have to ignore, these people have to ignore that it came from Trump. Uh, Trump is very proud of it. He should get the credit for it. That's why I call it the Trump shots. It's his crowning achievement. Because it was the pinnacle of his betrayal, not just of America, of the world. You know, America once lit the fire of liberty that conquered in Lexington, the shot heard around the world. Trump lit the fire of a global takeover with this pandemic and with the vaccine. And his shot has not been heard around the world, but sent around the world. And so, uh, as uh, Futurism points out, banning the COVID vaccine is just one of many draconian demands that the Taliban has implemented. As uh, NPR points out, women were told that they had to stay home. That they were non-essential, that they had to mask up, and on and on and on. Uh, that they weren't allowed out unless they were accompanied by a male relative. Or maybe a vaccine passport here at our Taliban. They had to wear a full hijab, a mask. Women were told that they would be rounded up. And we're kind of getting that idea too, aren't we? They said they're also going to marry them off to Taliban fighters. Which brings to mind another reference to the Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> uh, the Major General says, uh, 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 they said, we intend to wed your daughters. Because <laughs> you can't wed my daughters, you're pirates. They said, we're all single gentlemen, 
<laughs> we intend to marry your daughters. I guess that's why they're going door to door. Uh, yes, who, who's there? We're a single gentleman intending to marry your daughters. I doubt that's the way that's handled. Uh, so women are pro- uh, protesting in the Kabul streets. <clears throat> and the level, the magnitude, you know, when you look at this horrific oppression that they've already suffered under, under the Taliban years ago, they know what is going to be happening. That's why they're buying up all the burkas at Burka Mart, and they're staying at home, staying off of the streets. They know what's happening, and they're scared to death. And so you have about the same number of people that show up in Kabul, same number of women, 10, show up to protest this stuff. And it's kind of like the protests we see happening here in America. People scared to death, scared of the virus, scared of government oppression, scared of recrimination by their employers, of people shaming them on social media. And so you only had 10 women show up. They said, uh, you're going to tell us that we can't go to work, that we can't go to school. Just like the unvaxxed here. The Taliban uh, has opposed educating girls and allowing women in public without prominent head and face coverings, or granting women most of the basic rights considered universal or international uh, human rights laws. The Fauci fatwas have opposed educating the unvaxxed, allowing the unvaxxed in public without prominent face coverings, or granting the unvaxxed most of the basic rights considered to be universal and international human rights law. And that is happening in every country of the world. A number of women, or should we say unvaxxed, uh, gathered in the police district of uh, 10 of Kabul, demanding a share of life. We want to have uh, our, our life back. Other journalists in Kabul published videos of the group, which appeared to be only about 10 women, 10 unvaxxed people here in the United States. The women were wearing black and hijabs in an apparent attempt to adhere to Sharia. Just as here, if you had uh, people showing up on the streets, the unvaxxed would be wearing masks in an apparent attempt to adhere to the Fauci fatwa. Most businesses were shuttered, even though the Taliban, or I guess we could say here the Democrats and Republicans, had urged people to return to work and normal life with just a few bakeries, grocery shops, and restaurants open so that people could feed themselves. Uh, The Guardian reported, that Democrat leaders began broadcasting CDC propaganda. I'm sorry, uh, Taliban leaders began broadcasting Islamist propaganda instead of the typical secular entertainment on television, our Taliban. The uh, Taliban record of abuse against the unmasked and the unvaxxed was prolific. Uh, Unvaxxed are imprisoned in their homes and are denied access to basic health care and education, said former George W. Bush president. Yeah. So what's happening here? Food sent to help starving people is stolen by their leaders. The religious monuments are being destroyed. Churches are being shut down. Children are forbidden to fly kites or sing. And a girl of seven is beaten for not wearing a mask. That is not hyperbole. I have coming up a family attacked by a gang of uniformed thugs in Australia. 
uh, young children pepper sprayed by these thugs in Australia. And I look at that, and right now, the Taliban, for the time being, is um, more is better behaved than the Australian police. The Taliban cares about optics at this moment. They don't want the people to see them around the world as thugs, which is how we have seen them in the past. The Australian police, on the other hand, don't give a fig about you seeing them operating as jack-booted thugs. So uh, we'll see, you know, what's, uh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be um, the Taliban or Fauci, who is going to be the most dangerous coming up? We'll be right back. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing. And the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com Hear news now at APSRadioNews.com or get the APS Radio app and never miss another story. All right, let's take a look at uh, something else that the Taliban has in common with um, tyrants around the world. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, how it doesn't really matter if it is a religious Marxist dictatorship or if it's uh, uh, Muslim dictatorships or medical dictators or communists or uh, conservatives in Canada and the U.S. It doesn't matter if it's Trump or Biden. It doesn't matter if it's left or right. And one of the things that they want to do is come after guns. And you say, well, wait a minute. The Republicans are not for gun control. Oh, yes, they are. Have they removed, ever removed these gun laws that the Democrats have put in? Yes, they did get removed, the uh, quote-unquote assault weapon ban. But have they left in, by and large, most of the gun control laws that have been put in since the 1960s? Yes. Do they compromise on the Second Amendment consistently? Yes, especially the NRA, so they can appear to have a victory. Do they look the other way when President Trump 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Says we're going to take the guns and do the due process later. Red flag gun laws. That precedent of Trump. President Trump. Uh, that was eagerly adopted by Democrats and gun controllers everywhere. Then... On the basis of lies about the Vegas shooting, he banned the bump stock. And, of course, the NRA and gun groups said, well, that's not an important thing, and it isn't, except that it set a precedent. He did for the first time, uh, Trump and the ATF under Trump, because he gave them cover. Just as he gave them cover for doing what they did for the last 522 days. And uh, so he did gun control by executive order, and he controlled something that was an attachment that was not part of the firing mechanism, which had never been done, even under the Obama administration, and now has been replicated by Biden. Kamala Harris says when she becomes president, and as you start to look at Biden, I don't see how he's going to hold out for four years. She said, I'll give the Congress 100 days, and if they don't get rid of guns, I'll do it by executive order. Because, you know, Trump has already set the precedent, precedent Trump. So the first thing the Taliban wants to do is, amazingly, the first thing that Kamala Harris wants to do, collect the weapons, uh, saying, you don't need these for personal protection. We're, we've got the guns. See, you, we're, we're here to protect you. We're from the government. We're here to protect you. you know, why do you need an AR-15? I've got one. <laughs> That's right. I've got it. I'm here to protect you. We understand, they said, the people kept weapons for personal safety. They can now feel safe. We're not here to harm innocent civilians, said the Taliban official and the Democrat Party in a joint press conference. Uh, no, actually, it wasn't a joint press conference, but of course they say the same thing. We come in peace. Spike Cohen summarized it and said, uh, give us your guns. We'll protect you. Every government that is about to commit mass murder ever. And oh, by the way, when you look at Australia, isn't it nice that Australia as they're pepper-spraying kids, beating people in the streets, gangs of roving, uniformed, masked thugs attacking people, fining people, arresting people on the streets. Isn't it convenient for them that they confiscated all the guns a couple of decades ago and ran over them with uh, equipment to crush them? You've seen the pictures many times. That's what enables what is happening in Australia right now. The White House admits that a fair amount, quote-unquote, of U.S. weapons fell into Taliban hands. Uh, spokesman Sullivan, Jake Sullivan, said, uh, well, we don't have a complete picture, obviously, yeah, because we're the pentagram, 
uh, of where every article of defense material has gone, but certainly a fair amount of it has fallen into the hands of the Taliban. We don't know. You know, we had like, what was it? I don't know how many trillions of dollars are missing from the pentagram before they had that plane just coincidentally fly into the window of that office. I don't know. Just one coincidence after the other. The U.S. has spent over $80 billion in the past 20 years. That's chump change considering the amount of money that had been embezzled by pentagram officials and politicians, many of whom took early retirement before 9-11. Over the past 20 years, they've only wasted $80 billion. I mean, that is chump change if you stop and think about it. That's only $4 billion a year. That's a round-off error in the kind of money that we're spending in Washington. So, I mean, it's really pretty efficient uh, war, isn't it? Except it's been trillions. That's just the amount of money that they gave to the Afghan National Army. Arming, equipping, and training people. The U.S. also paid their salaries, which led to local commanders having a roster of ghost soldiers that didn't exist so they could line their pockets. I kind of wonder, you know, as Biden is saying, yeah, we got, look at how many, they've got four times the number of soldiers <laughs> that the Taliban has. Well, according to your roster, according to what you're paying them for, they do. Uh, they might have been ghost soldiers before they just vanished at the dead of night, like you did out of Bagram Air Force Base. They could have just been ghost soldiers to start with. Uh, so you see pictures of the Taliban uh, going into the armories. It's like a gun store, and you know they, they're full up with uh, rifles and so forth. Videos and pictures published by the Taliban on Twitter. See, they're allowed to show pictures of themselves holding guns on Twitter. You try that on Facebook and Twitter. See what happens. <laughs> um, uh, holding M4 carbines, M16 rifles. Uh, some of the hardware might be useful to have if you're looking to intimidate rival warlords, but that's about it, said a retired U.S. Marine Corps colonel. Yeah, <laughs> you think you're going to take on the strongest military in the world with all of our planes, our jet planes, and our nuclear weapons, and our Apache helicopters, and our warthogs? You think you're going to, with those small arms, you think you're going to defeat an army like us? Well, yeah. <laughs> They've done rather well with what they've already had. He said, uh, small arms actually defeated the pentagram. So uh, American weapons could be in service for many years, they said, because of plentiful ammunition supplies, because you can get the same ammunition. Civilian gun owners in the U.S., Wines News Trust, civilian gun owners in the U.S. can buy this kind of stuff, you know, because those guys like the Taliban, too. Only the military should have these kinds of weapons. Well, I don't know if any of these reporters have been to a gun store lately, uh, but if you can find it, the price is sky high, if you can find it. Uh, Pentagon admits that they've got billions in U.S. weapons now. Anyone, if anyone's holding out hope that the uh, Pentagram has some kind of a clue as to where these billions in weapons that accumulated in Afghanistan over the past 20 years ended up, well, don't have any hope. Abandon all hope. Those of you who think you will get an accounting from the pentagram. Uh, they do not have a complete picture. Just a euphemism for the fact that the weapons are gone. Just like the trillions of dollars before 9-11. And then this is uh, an observation that I think is very astute. I've seen this once or twice in the last day. 
but this headline, you'll find this on Zero Hedge uh, from Epic Times. If you live in Taiwan, it's time to worry. Because as all this stuff was happening, you had China doing some more drills very close by. They've been sending jets in to intimidate people. They have demanded that they get Taiwan back, and they are intent on doing it. As I've pointed out many times, our friends uh, who adopted from China before we did, uh, she is of Taiwanese descent. And actually, she thought, well, yeah, I can put that in my papers for adopting a child. And the, the people that were there, the Chinese adoption agency on the state side, said, oh, get that out of there. That'll, that'll blackball you right away. Taiwan does not exist, according to the Chinese communists, and they're going to take it back. And so, as this article points out, Taiwan should worry about American reliability. Uh, because we don't have a history of supporting our allies and friends. We don't have a history of supporting our own citizens, actually. Uh, just as we saw <clears throat> you know, in Benghazi, elsewhere... Uh, in foreign areas, as we're seeing now in Afghanistan, as the Americans are at the back of the bus or the uh, troop transport, if you will, if they can even get on the troop transport. Uh, you're on your own, says the American government. we got to get those Afghans in because, you know, they're our buddies, they're our pals. Uh, so, as I pointed out, unlike Afghanistan, where the U.S. had committed its forces, its own forces, for two decades, Taiwan doesn't have any U.S. forces there. And they have no assurance that the U.S. will come to their defense if attacked by China. And I would say this, that if that turns into a hot war, <clears throat> if the Taiwanese resist, as they have declared that they will, uh, if that were to happen, you understand what that's going to do to the world supply of computer chips and electronics and things like that, because it is an economic powerhouse in terms of developing things like that. It's really going to... Um, so if you want to have some electronics or something, now might be the time to uh, stock up on that. If you think you need a new computer, you might want to get it now if you can't. Uh, because if they go into Taiwan, not likely that Uncle Joe's going to do anything about it. Uh, not really... Well, I imagine Trump would. He'd, he'd like to uh, get into that. The people... He, he was supported by the right wing, by the military side of uh, the intelligence community. So, yeah, he would have been all, all aboard on that. People think that he's not a neocon. He is a neocon. He is a globalist, pretending to be something else. Panic as the Afghan currency, the Afghani, crashes. The central bank chief fled, says there's no more dollars left. <clears throat> And, uh, again, I don't know if he put everything in crypto or not. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Afghan president was bugging out with four carloads of cash. He couldn't get all the cash into the plane and get off the ground, so he had to leave a lot of it on the tarmac. I said at the time, you know, this just shows <laughs> uh, that these criminals that we have put in place to run the country aren't really too bright. He could have put all that on a thumb drive. Uh, for his crypto or some kind of a you know other wallet, uh, and I guess I, I don't know what happened to Ajmal Ahmadi. This guy is a Harvard MBA, former head of the country's central bank. On Monday, he tweeted that he had departed Afghanistan, and he said, "quote Somehow, my close colleagues pushed me on board." 
How did that happen? I don't know. How did I get here at the airport? How, how was I standing right next to this plane? Who put me on board? I, just a fog. Well, I'm really gla- grateful. I, I wasn't running away. I really wasn't. <laughs> it's not a run on the bank at this moment. It is a run from the bank by the central bankers. Wouldn't it be nice if that were to happen <laughs> to the Federal Reserve people, by the way, uh, if they had to bug out? Uh, however, on Friday, the bank was told there would be no dollar shipments and that by Saturday it had to supply less currency to markets, which led to panic. Eventually, a pilot emerged and the central banker hightailed it out of the country as he went to the uh, airport. You had to wait for a while before a pilot showed up and then somehow his colleagues pushed him on board. Pulling a page out of Biden's playbook, he wrote, quote, It did not have to end this way. I am disgusted by the lack of any planning by Afghan leadership. So he wants to stay in the good graces of Biden. Uh, So he's going to criticize the now non-existent Afghan government. Uh, But, you know, we were there for 20 years. We didn't have an exit plan. We didn't know what winning looked like. But it's not our fault. No, no, no. It's these Afghan puppets that we put in. So uh, the puppet Biden put in by the military-industrial complex in the Pentagram is not to blame. And the Afghan puppet that puppet Biden put in place is not to blame. Uh, just uh, U.S. Treasury has now also frozen billions of Afghan reserves that are in, the, in Western banks. As of April, the Afghan Central Bank had $9.4 billion in reserve assets, according to the IMF, that gang of thieves. It was roughly one-third of the country's annual economic output. Now think about that. Their gross domestic product is $30 billion. That's everything. Uh, that's including the fact that uh, the, uh, with the help of the U.S. government and with the poppy fields being guarded by American military, they were providing between you know, 95% and up of the world's uh, opioid, uh, opium supplies, right? And so I imagine that's a big part of the $30 billion, don't you think? I mean, that was all above board. That would be part of their gross domestic product. That wouldn't be an underground economy or anything because they were openly doing it. And saying, as Geraldo Rivera pointed out uh, decades ago, that um, he's like, why are Americans guarding the field here? Oh, it's a good reason for that. We don't want the local economy to crash. So now we've frozen the uh, assets of uh, this poor country. And just to understand how totally swamped they were by our presence there, the U.S. was sending about $3 billion a year in support for the Afghan military. So just the amount of money that we gave them for the Afghan military was 10% of their gross domestic product, just for the military. Here's, you know, 10% for the military. And then, of course, the massive amount of money that we were pouring into the economy by our presence there. And um, uh, not to mention, I guess, the uh, backroom deals being given to the central bankers and the president. Reason Magazine says, don't excuse Biden for his botched Afghanistan withdrawal. But, of course, now the uh, 
the establishment press, the left-wing press, is doing exactly that. Because um, they were just caught off guard and had a short burst of integrity there based on the astonishment of the absolute incompetence and the fact that he was hiding out, as one person said. Well, you're surprised that he's hiding out? That's how he got elected, by not showing up anywhere. That, that's his, his uh, M.O. everywhere. Uh, so they were criticizing him because he was nowhere to be found. They were criticizing him as this whole thing just collapsed rapidly like a house of cards because it is a house of cards. But now they're starting to regroup, and the, their Democrat controllers have uh, talked to the appropriate people, and they're starting to try to prop him up again. Reason says it is possible to champion our troop removal while criticizing the way that it was done. Those two are not mutually exclusive. And, of course, you understand that a year and a half ago, it was even admitted by the Pentagram that our position in Afghanistan was untenable, inevitable, that it would collapse. And, of course, based all on incompetence, and that's what we've seen. We've just seen a... uh, massive increase in incompetence, or at least uh, seen it manifest uh, more than we usually do. Obama, speaking of incompetence, uh, freed the Taliban takeover mastermind from Gitmo. Uh, The co-founder of the Taliban was in Gitmo. Uh, They uh, sent him back. He spent six years at Gitmo where he told a guard, quote, we will get you on the outside. Now, with all of that happening, with all that happening, we now have as the, as the uh, liberal press, the Democrat press, is rallying behind Biden to try to defend his... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Indefensible incompetence. We now have conservatives starting to rally behind the war. Because uh, they don't like to see us losing. So, you know, it's like a, some kind of a sports event or something to them. Well, yeah, let's go back and carpet bomb the place. We'll show them. Try to preserve our dignity. Let me tell you, you lost your dignity when you went to war based on a lie. This is the blind spot for Christians, especially. Christians should know better. I don't expect conservatives to know any better. Uh, But uh, Christians should. 49% of voters now support the withdrawal, which means 51% don't. 51% want us to stay there and teach the Taliban a lesson. Those people are putting masks on women. How dare them tell people they can't go to school, that they can't walk around on the streets? What a bunch of petty tyrants, say the Democrats. 
That number reflects a 20% drop from April. In April, 69% of the people wanted us to get out of Afghanistan. Now it's only 49%. Now this is a poll being done by Politico, so you can understand that they're pushing this, perhaps. But they're saying one quarter of American voters only say that the withdrawal is going well. Three quarters say it's going very poorly. Uh, 38% of Democrats and 14% of Republicans say that the withdrawal is uh, going well. A majority of Democrats, 69%, still support withdrawal, but less than a third of Republicans. Only 31% of Republicans now support the withdrawal. And of course, I played yesterday a long clip from Rand Paul, and if you recall, when he spoke about the futility, the immorality, and the illegality of these wars that we had. He was booed by Republicans. I distinctly remember that. Yeah, Republicans have got their bloodlust up now after seeing us uh, leave with our tail between our legs. Our mission in Afghanistan was never supposed to be nation-building, said Biden. It was never supposed to be to build a unified, centralized democracy. Well, it was. That was the mission. As a matter of fact, he himself said that was the mission. In 2003, he defended the concept of nation-building during a Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing on rebuilding Afghanistan. And then finally, as we talk about Afghanistan, before we get into what is happening with our Taliban here and our Taliban globally, the Taliban, uh, let's take a look. We've looked at uh, what they do in terms of demanding dress codes, shutting down life to certain segments of people that they don't like, don't respect. How unlike America, of course, or the rest of the world, uh, how they want to take guns from people. And then there's this. As we look at <clears throat> Afghan refugees, uh, anybody outside of America is more important to our American government than its American citizens. And you can see that very clearly right now. Washington Post says 80,000 Afghans want a U.S. green card and citizenship. The 80,000 population is in addition to the more than 2,000 Afghans who have already landed in the U.S., and is in addition to an estimated 10,000 U.S. citizens in the country still. And um, so we've got 10,000 Americans still there. Uh, we've got uh, 80,000 more people want to get out. So you've got about 90,000 people that need to get out, that want to get out. And uh, the Taliban is saying, you need to get out of here by 9-11, which was the date that Biden came up with after he extended it from May. Uh, that was Trump's original date. So my first question in all of this is, can you trust the U.S. government to vet these people? Do you remember that the Pulse nightclub shooting, uh, I think, if not the worst shooting in terms of casual rates, it was one of the worst that we've had. It's done by an Afghan. Uh, so have these people been vetted? Are they going to vet them? Oh, sure. I'm, I'm absolutely confident that the federal government will do everything it can to vet any immigrants. You have Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers says, a Republican, we are not the world's dumping ground for refugees. Well, I would respectfully say you're wrong, Wendy. We are. Uh, that, has, uh, that is who we are. And I'm not saying we ought to leave these people behind and abandon them. 
which would be an act of betrayal. I'm just not certain that the U.S. government even cares to vet these people. I mean, we're not even talking about their competence. We're talking about their desire to vet these people. How many terrorists do they need to let in to do something? You know, one guy killed a lot of people in uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting. The Biden administration, however, tells the Americans that are still trapped there, those 10,000 Americans, that it cannot guarantee their safety to the airport. The Biden administration sent the following message to Americans trapped in Afghanistan. Two American citizens, on the other hand, two American citizens, thank you for registering your request to be evacuated from Afghanistan. The U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan has confirmed that an undefined number of U.S. government-provided flights will begin soon. Of course, that embassy is no longer there. The embassy staff has long since bugged out. The ambassador has taken his rainbow LGBT flag and left the country. Please make sure, please make your way to the Hamid Karzai International Airport at this time. And then in all uppercase, it says, please be advised that the United States government cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. And I would say to all of us, please be advised that the U.S. government cannot guarantee your safety. They cannot guarantee your safety from COVID. They cannot guarantee your safety from Taliban or Al-Qaeda people who they bring over here on their troop transports, unvetted, a thousand at a time. And um, there isn't any way they're going to provide you safety in anything. Pentagon says 165 Americans have been evacuated, uh, but there's still 10,000 that are left behind. So they've gotten out 2,000 Afghans, but only 165 Americans. That tells you something, doesn't it? Uh, we have an obligation to the people who helped us over the last 20 years, uh, said Kirby, uh, spokesman for the Pentagram. And that is absolutely true. I said that before. I don't think we ought to leave the people that uh, put their life on the line to help America, whether or not that war was justified or what we were doing was justified. I mean, it, that would be an act of betrayal. However, uh, they feel absolutely no obligation to Americans, do they? None whatsoever. Sean Hannity says, as we speak tonight, there are approximately 10,000 Americans still at the Kabul airport. Well, I don't know if they made their way to the airport. That's an assumption on Hannity's part, isn't it? A Biden official refuses to answer if the troops will leave Afghanistan before the Americans are evacuated. He says, well, I, I can't say. Can't say when asked. Meanwhile, uh, maybe they might want to reconsider whether the Americans actually want to come back to America because you've got people like Michael Moore and Stephen Colbert uh, calling conservatives the Taliban. I mean, are, are we the ones who are going around saying that uh, you can't have open businesses, that you've got to wear masks over your face, that you've got to have a, a government genetic code injection, experimental injection, or you're not going to live your life? I mean, to me, it sounds like the Taliban here in America are the people who are pushing out the Fauci fatwas. But according to Michael Moore and Stephen Colbert, it's Americans that are the enemy. Our Taliban, said uh, Michael Moore, they're at their best when they confiscate the halls of power. They're religious nuts, and we know what that looks like. We've got our own. Stephen Colbert said the Capitol Hill protesters are not just a dumb joke. Uh, but he said, uh, why should our soldiers be fighting radicals in a civil war in Afghanistan? 
We've got our own on Capitol Hill. That's right. Nancy Pelosi and these other radicals. The Atlantic goes a little bit further. Informationliberation.com points out that the Atlantic, which is a NATO mouthpiece, people are neocons. And so what they say is, Afghanistan is your fault, America. Tom Nichols writes at the Atlantic, he said, Afghanistan is your fault. The American people now have what they wanted. Oh, you wanted to get out? Well, look, this is what it looks like when you get out. Oh, let's get back in. Let's show these people a lesson. He says, this is on you. If they chose to stay, they were warmongers intent on pursuing a forever war. Well, that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. If they chose to leave, they'd be cowards who abandoned Afghanistan. Uh, They should have left a long time ago. And since they knew that it was not a winnable war, they should have had an orderly withdrawal. Maybe it would have been a good idea not to leave the weapons in the hands of people that you say are so dangerous that they can fly planes at altitudes and speeds that can't be done. Uh, People who are so dangerous that they can bring down three steel skyscrapers with two airplanes. Maybe we shouldn't have left behind all of those weapons for them and a lot of equipment. Maybe if you'd had an orderly withdrawal, and that's what I was talking about when I talked about Bagram Air Force Base, as they just disappeared in the middle of the night. All these people saying, yeah, that's right, we should stay there, right, you neocon warmonger? And it's like, no, I'm just saying that the American government and the pentagram can't do anything right They shouldn't have gone in the first place. They should have gotten out. They could have gotten out 10 years ago. They should have gotten out after they uh, had their initial victories, uh, you know, mission accomplished. But instead, they decided they would stay and do nation building. Christian pastors in Afghanistan are issuing an urgent request for prayer. Uh, As Taliban forces have swallowed up Afghanistan, and even now the capital city of Kabul, Pastors in the country have been emailing and messaging me over the last few days, even hours, anxious for prayer, uh, said um, Josh Manley, a pastor of uh, an evangelical church in the United Arab Emirates. He said one house church leader sent me a picture of a small room he was hiding in with his family. He said the Afghan pastor was in contact with him and said, uh, this is where I'm living and we're hidden right now in different areas. We can't go out like normal. It's dangerous. We moved from one of my friend's houses, but it's not safe at all, wrote one pastor. Well, he said, we need to pray that our sovereign God would physically protect our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Boldly go to the throne and plead with our God to restrain evil and confuse the plans of evildoers. Pray also for our physical protection. He said, one letter I've confirmed to a leader now in hiding. He said um, he received a communication from them. They said that we know where you are and we know what you are doing. Over the past weeks, U.S. mission agencies have pulled out their workers. He said, I'm grateful that they could get out. I pray for them as well as any of those who chose to stay. Taliban has a great number of, in, uh, a great number of influence, quote-unquote, against people in terms of obtaining information. As one Christian there uh, says, they'll tell them everything they know to try to spare their family, to try to spare themselves. 
He said Christians cannot even trust their own family members. The Taliban come into an area of the mosque. They ask how many members of the household are part of that. And they take names of all the people who live there. So is this house uh, over here? Yeah, David Knight's house. Uh, they got any people and members? Of, oh, they don't? Hmm. Huh. Oh, so they're not practicing Muslims. All right, we'll go visit them and see what's happening. Uh, having a beard is compulsory. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Taliban, <laughs> Taliban uh, so I'm covered there. Uh, Taliban come to houses. They ask for food. They ask for money. Some of them are known that they have been Christian. As um, one person said, definitely for Christians, it's just an obvious thing that they're, that is the Taliban. It's going to take all of their kids and that they have to go through the retraining system and marry the Taliban. See, here in America, we call that schools, and we turn them over, turn our kids over voluntarily to those Marxist seminaries teaching hate teaching um, hate of God, hate of individual liberty. Uh, We do it voluntarily. There the government comes and takes your kids and trains them. For the boys, they have to be re-educated at the madrasas, and they will be trained as Taliban soldiers. We call that the draft. Uh, The Taliban will also take away Christian women and force many people to convert to secular humanism. I mean, Islam. Every Muslim background believer like myself that converted to Christianity knows the consequences of conversion. Islam is very clear. For apostasy, the consequence is death. And there is no mercy for those people. The church leader added, but God has a purpose and a plan. And he knows what's best for his children in Afghanistan. And so uh, for the Americans left behind, for the Christians left behind... Please keep them in prayer, especially the Christians who have chosen to remain and to work in that community. We'll be right back. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. thedavidnightshow.com.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. As we start to look at the uh, tyranny in our own country. I had a letter yesterday from a supporter, a person who has uh, supported this program from the very beginning, uh, Laura, and uh, she uh, asked me a question, which, uh, uh, again, is something that I need to clarify. Uh, What I said yesterday in terms of the fake vaccine passports, and it was kind of uh, strange, I thought, that they're making a big deal out of 50 fake vaccine passports that have been shipped from China. Well, this is kind of weird. That's a small quantity. And said, so yeah, we've had a bunch of them. You know, we've, we've gotten, a, you know, 126, I think it was. And it's a little bit over 3,000 of these that we've confiscated in the past. And I thought, this really seems kind of strange. But they know that people are going to be doing this because they know that they're not ever going to stop with this, that it's going to be continually increasing. We've seen this over the last year and a half. This is not a theory. And so I'm glad that Laura uh, brought this up. She said, uh, are you telling people to live by lies? Uh, just saying. And so um, I just, I, and I want to address that for people. Because when we look at various things, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for telling lies. But, you know, we look at the Ten Commandments, for example. We have a lot of people who are pacifists who say, well, the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not kill. But we know that with the theocracy that the Hebrew nation had, that there were a lot of penalties that involved uh, the death penalty, a lot of of infractions that involved the death penalty. I'm not philosophically opposed to the death penalty. I'm uh, adamantly opposed to our so-called justice system. I don't believe that it's uh, capable of holding a fair trial or even interested in doing that. Uh, So I would oppose the death penalty under the system of government that we have now because I don't believe that we have honest juries. I don't believe that we have judges and prosecutors who give people uh, full information. But I understand there's a difference between murder and killing somebody. Because when you, and here's the difference. When you commit murder, you're doing it for your own personal reasons. You're doing it because of hate. You're doing it because of revenge or anger or things like that. But when um, you have a government, if it is a legitimate government, it rewards good and it punishes evil. And that might include capital punishment. It might include an army that kills people. If it's a justified war, it will be defensive. Uh, but it might wind up killing people to defend innocent life. 
And so killing is not the same as murder. And when we look at lying, bearing false witness is essentially the same thing. What it says in the Ten Commandments, the principle is, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Because um, it's directed, again, for personal reasons, for revenge, uh, for um, gain, or for hatred, just like murder. And so uh, bearing false witness against somebody is using deceit to manipulate somebody to your advantage. Well, is that what we would be doing if we had a vaccine passport? Well, let me ask you, was it wrong during World War II when the Allies had decoys to disguise um, where they were going to be landing at Normandy? That kind of deception. I mean, it was done for their own gain, right? Or was it done to save innocent lives to end a war? How about um, lying to protect innocent life, such as, I'm not hiding any Jews in this house. Or to the Taliban, I'm sorry, all the Christians and that pastor you're looking for left town a week ago. Should you tell them? Should you tell them? He's still here. I cannot tell a lie uh, because all liars will burn in the lake of fire. Uh, or should you do something else? Let me give you an example of how this has worked out in the Bible. We have King David, who, when he was on the run and seeking refuge uh, from Saul, he went to the Philistines, and to keep from being killed by the Philistine captain, he, one point in time, he pretended uh, to be uh, crazy so he wouldn't be killed. He also pretended to be on their side so he wouldn't be killed. And then Jesus himself used an example of David unlawfully eating consecrated bread because he was about to starve. Uh, He did this in response to the Pharisees uh, who were criticizing him for healing somebody on a Sabbath. And Jesus said, uh, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, sometimes, you know, it's a good thing to uh, tell the truth. Uh, it is important to tell the truth, but sometimes it is better to protect innocent life and not sacrifice people. And quite frankly, that's what we're talking about with the vaccine passport and where this is headed. And if you don't understand that this is where this is headed, that's why I mentioned that yesterday. This is not something I'm interested in doing. It's not something I could even possibly do. I'm too well known. Karen said to me, have you planned about what you're going to do when you're in prison? <laughs> You're going to write a book? What is it you're going to do when they come to arrest you? Uh, you need, to, And that's why I mentioned the passport thing. You need to think about what, what you're going to do when they get further along on this. We've already had the Los Angeles City Council. This is why I talked about this yesterday. 13 to nothing voted to shut down all retail stores, not just entertainment ven- venues. I mean, we're not talking about having a fake vaccine passport so that you can go watch a concert. We're talking about being able to get to a grocery store. Now, the reality is, is that even in Los Angeles, and again, Los Angeles is taking it the next step, and and they're always taking it to the next step. You've got de Blasio in New York City saying, uh, you know, we're going to give people $2,000 fine, and we're going to train them, and you can have the keys to the city, but you're not going to go an inch if you don't have that vaccine. Same thing we've seen with the Chinese social credit system. And I said this 
a year and a half ago, I was accused of being a paranoid conspiracy theorist by the Daily Beast and others for saying that. And now you have de Blasio bragging about that. The Daily Beast and others are not calling him an authoritarian dictator. It's just, oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, that, that's fine. I like that. And so you understand where this is headed. It doesn't matter. They don't even bother to try to cook up fake statistics about a pandemic anymore. They just do whatever they wish. And so there are things that you can do short of lying to people to protect your life. I mean, uh, for example, uh, even though Los Angeles has gone further than New York City has, uh, this is just the city of Los Angeles. Now, you've got the mayor of Los Angeles trying to tell the county of Los Angeles that they need to enact their draconian measures as well. It remains to be seen whether they will do that. So if that's the situation, even if you live in the city of Los Angeles, you could theoretically travel if they're not going to have goons checking your vaccine passport. You could travel out of the city and go to the county of Los Angeles and you could do your grocery shopping or whatever else you need to get from the stores. Uh, you can still travel between states, although the Biden administration is already planning about how they're going to stop interstate travel for the unvaccinated. So right now, you know, you can travel from state to state. You, can, you have an opportunity that you can go to another state right now uh, that may not uh, uh, go there quickly enough. And once the people in that state see what's happening in California and New York, they may push back against that. Of course, that didn't happen a year and a half ago. In most of the states, you had New York and California immediately, Cuomo and Newsom immediately take the money from Trump and shut everything down. Uh, and it took a while longer for the other places to do it, but most of them did, even you know in places that were all Republican, like Idaho. Brad Little, the Republican legislature there, did nothing to stop him. And so uh, you have things that you can do, you know, as um, when you look at what Peter did, for example, when Christ was on trial, uh, Peter went there to see what was going to happen. If he had thought about what was going to happen, I mean, he'd actually been told by Jesus what was going to happen, but if he had thought about what was going to happen, maybe he would have, he could have said, well, if they ask me who I am, I can kind of, you know, misdirect them without maybe outright lying. I can give a vague answer or something like that. Maybe that's what I'll say if somebody asks me who I am. Or maybe, since they might confront me on my identity, maybe I just won't go at all or something like that. So you can think about things like that. But of course, in real life, we don't do that. And that's why I said what I said about the vaccine passports yesterday. You better start thinking about what you're going to do to protect yourself and your family. Because... Um, this is, this is coming. We don't know that people are going to stand up and resist this in mass. Uh, they could be misdirected in terms of thinking that uh, President Trump is their solution. We've got to have a, a revolution, and we've got to put President Trump back in the White House. That's what Steve Bannon and Mike Lindell and uh, people like Flynn and McInerney, that's what they would like to have. If we go down that path, things are only going to get worse. So I don't think you're called to sacrifice your life or somebody else's to submit to a regime that would starve you out because you haven't submitted to an illegal demand 
in defiance of the lawful king, that is the Constitution, to force you to inject an experimental substance into your body. And if you refuse to do that, then you <clears throat> now have to uh, show them a passport or you have to stay locked up like a woman in Afghanistan. See, when Solzhen Itzen said, live not by lies, what he was talking about was the pressure by totalitarian governments. Once you get to authoritarian governments which just dictate everything that you're doing, and we're there already. We have an authoritarian government. We do not have the rule of law. That, that uh, train left the station a long, long time ago. And if you had any doubts about it, Trump made it clear 522 days ago. We financially incentivized this and kicked off those Model State Health Emergency Powers Act that they had put in place 20 years ago as part of the 9-11 false flag and the anthrax false flag. So we have an authoritarian government. And these people who are pressuring us on social media, who are shaming us, who are canceling us, who are censoring us, the people who taunt me, and say, I'm going to report you to Twitter all this other kind of stuff. Uh, those people are trying to get me and you to be quiet and to not say anything when we know what the truth is. That's the lie that Solzhi Nitsen was talking about. Lying to yourself because you're afraid of these people. You need to be resisting evil. And part of that is having discernment when we go into an underground situation, as the Christians in Afghanistan currently are. They're going to stay alive only based on their ability to deceive the Taliban, to lie to the Taliban. And the only way that you're going to stay alive in this future Society, if we don't stop this with civil disobedience, if we don't stop it by living our lives openly in defiance of their medical tyranny, if we don't take that path, and I'm not sure that we're going to take that path, then the only way that you're going to live your life in an underground economy is to have the papers and the ability to do that. Now, you may choose just to confront them right up front, and that's an honorable thing to do. Uh, I'm not trying to hide from anybody. I'm not making any plans to get a vaccine passport, but I just want to tell you that if you want to do that, you're going to have to make sure that you get an ID from some of these idiots who have been flaunting their vaccine passport status that are about the same age and weight as you are. Make a fake driver's license to go along with it and print up your own stupid papers. You don't need it from the Chinese and fill it out the same corresponding way as these idiots who've been virtue signaling. And there may be some virtue now in their virtue signaling. They might save some people. But the best thing for us to do is to stop this by opposing it openly and telling the truth without being ashamed or intimidated and without living by lies. Now, do not allow these authoritarians to force you to agree with and to accept and even to believe things that you know are not true. That's what Solzhenitsyn was talking about. So, uh, yeah, if a government official who has broken his oath to the Constitution, if a liar like that 
who is seeking to take you down, ask you for a vaccine passport before you can buy food, before you can travel, before you can get medical care. Is it wrong to deceive a lying tyrant like that? To save your life or to save the life of another? You should think these situations through right now. I've talked about the guy who was a Christian missionary in South Africa. His name was Charles Van Vick. And uh, World Net Daily published a book that he had back in the 1990s. And he was warning Christians what was coming to America. He was a missionary there. And he had seen a lot of people that had been violently attacked, had been killed by these roving bands of Marxists with the ANC. And uh, he had been uh, somebody who believed that he could never shoot anybody. Uh, he would not have a gun. But he said he started to think about it. He said, you know, I have a, a responsibility to protect innocent life, even if it's not my own. And so he got a gun and he trained with it. He had a revolver. And um, he went one uh, Sunday to a large church that had 1,000 people. Now, after the ANC took power, they had truth and reconciliation committees, and they had people who had committed murder and terrorist acts, and they could get off if they would uh, and avoid any punishment if they would uh, tell the truth about what had happened, and uh, they would get complete absolution. This is the way they had it protecting their own people. And so after all that happened as part of the truth and reconciliation uh, these people who attacked that church that day said that they focused on that church because it was a liberal. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Church. All white people. And uh, they knew that they would not be armed. They wouldn't have any defense. There were a thousand people in that church. They kicked open the doors. They threw in some hand grenades. And then they just started spraying the crowd with automatic fire. And they were able to kill well, um, way over 50 people with that initial attack. Now, Charles von Vick was in that large church. And he was up on the high up on the opposing corner of the point of entry. They came in close to the front of the church. And he was in the back and high up. He pulled out his gun, and he got down on his knee, and he took a shot. And thought, I'm not going to hit anything from this distance. And so he went out the back door, and he came around the other side, and he took a couple of shots. And they ran away. And then the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, they said, we thought there were multiple defenders. We were surprised. You know, that we're getting shot at from all these different angles. The first shot that he took, that first, he only had five shots. He had a revolver that he said had five uh, chambers in it. I mean, it typically have six. But anyway, he had five. And um, so he used one of those shots, and that hit somebody. And as they're pulling that guy out, shortly after that, they start taking fire from another direction. So they thought they were surrounded, and they ran away, even though this is a large group of about a dozen people who had hand grenades and fully automatic weapons. They ran away. 
Now, God had prepared him uh, mentally, spiritually, to defend lives. And you could say it was a coincidence that he was in that church that day. Or maybe it wasn't. But he was able to save the lives of nearly a thousand people with just a pistol and five bullets. So you need to think about what you're willing to do, and you need to think about how you're going to protect your family and maybe even protect your own life in the kind of situation that we are rapidly heading towards. And let me give you an example of this. As I uh, pointed out in uh, New Zealand, they've been shut down. The entire country has been shut down. But before I get to New Zealand, I want to start with Australia. Because when I look at Australia, it breaks my heart to see what has happened in this country. And um, this is a video of a family that is attacked because they are not wearing a mask. And um, do we have that video? I don't see it on the, the uh, thing here, Travis. Um, yeah, we don't have this on the uh, board here. Can you pull that up off of the, uh, the drive that I gave you? Um, and I'll come back to that. Let me talk about what is going on in New Zealand. That's a pepper spray video. It's not on the, uh, not on the board. Uh, please put that in there. Uh, the Kiwi dollar, the, Austral the New Zealand dollar, has been crushed as the uh, reaction to the government shutting down all of New Zealand, now entering a lockdown because they've had their first case in six months. Pretty amazing. You know, New Zealand doesn't have a large population, but they do have, uh, a, you know, for the small population that they have, it is a large country, very, very sparsely populated. Uh, Karen and I went there and spent several weeks. I was actually in the 90s thinking about moving there after what I had seen happen at Ruby Ridge and Waco. And yet when I went there, I arranged ahead of time for some people uh, that I knew were libertarians through the Libertarian Party and also to meet with a guy they were calling at the time the Rush Limbaugh of New Zealand. He, was, he had a national radio show uh, to talk about what was happening in, uh, in New Zealand, what, what it was like to live there from a libertarian standpoint. And as I've said before, we had dinner and they were telling uh, Karen and I, uh, we were trading stories. And I would say, yeah, you know, in America they do this to us. And they go, well, in New Zealand they do this to us. And I'd say, yeah, but in America they do that. <laughs> so we're going back and forth. But I think they convinced me. And I'm glad that I'm not living under Jacinda Arden, uh, this person who uh, is uh, saying things like this. Stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbors please keep to your bubbles. It comes to down bubbles. again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum, wear a mask, and make sure you keep up that physical distancing. Okay, yeah, well, we know the Delta is more dangerous enemy to combat same actions that uh, overcome the virus last year can be applied to beat it again. Additionally, vaccinations also be suspended for 48 hours to ensure that vaccines can be administered in a safe environment. And so then, in addition to a three-day nationwide lockdown because of a single case, 
I don't know if this person has any symptoms or what is happening with it, but uh, they have now been locked down the entire nation because of a single case, the same thing that we saw in uh, Australia. Uh, the uh, city of Auckland, where the man had been, will be under lockdown for seven days. Now, here's my question about this. You know, we, they've been saying, I thought it was initially it was a 14-day period, you know, it could take for this to show up. And that was the basis of them putting people under uh, lockdown or house arrest. If you traveled into a country, you'd have to stay uh, in a hotel or in some kind of a, a camp for two weeks or 10 days or whatever. Uh, so is it 14 days? Is it 10 days? Or is it seven days? See, these liars can't even keep their lies straight. I mean, their science straight. They don't know. They don't know. Uh, so they're also going to shut down all uh, schools, offices, and businesses forced to close. The only thing that will be allowed open is essential services. And you know what that means? The government and the police. That is all that's essential to a tyrant like Jacinda Ardern. As Babylon B puts it, New Zealand is going to sink the entire country into the sea in order to stop a single case of COVID. <laughs> Chief Muppet. Jacinda Ardern says, uh, listen, this gives me no pleasure, but at desperate times call for desperate measures, and I've left no choice but to fully submerge this island underwater until the threat of COVID has passed. Uh, that's precisely what we're looking at. Well, we don't seem to be able to find that pepper spray uh, video. It's horrific. And uh, I'll just describe what happens in it. Uh, it is a lot of screaming and shouting. It's being filmed by a young girl. Her family is being attacked, and she's pointing out, look at this person, doesn't this cop doesn't have a mask, that one doesn't have a mask. Why are they doing this? They're not separated from each other. You know, they just uh, you know, knocked my brother to the ground. Look at what they're doing. They just pepper sprayed, you pepper sprayed a 12-year-old girl. And, and then she just continues to say, look at this, look at this. It's just disgusting to see what is happening. Uh, so, yeah. Attacking young children for not wearing masks, throwing them to the ground to cuff them, pepper spraying a 12-year-old girl. And um, this is what it has come to in Australia. And uh, that is what it's going to happen. You got the video? Let's go ahead and play it with the sound. Just because my sister's not wearing a mask. Look at this. Just for not wearing a mask. Nope. Wearing a this mask. is stupid. Look at this police over here, not wearing a mask. I will record all of this. I don't care. Look. No mask. Look, there's more coppers coming. Jack-booted, uniformed thugs beating women and children because, you know, they need to wear a mask. So, you know, uh, if you don't wear a mask for your own good and for the sake of the community, I have to pepper spray you in the face.
Look at this. It's just unbelievable. Just an army of jackbooted thugs. They wouldn't be able to get away with this if more people would resist. And they wouldn't be doing this if there were a lot of people out there. It's only when it's just individuals that are out there that they act like this. Look at this guy. He's got a beard. He doesn't have a mask. Neither does that guy. Did you ever think you would see this in Western nations? And yet it is everywhere. And it is coming to America if we do not stand up and resist this en masse. We live our lives. All right. When we look at, uh, we've had so much uh, uh, outrage, haven't we? As people like Marjorie Taylor Greene said, these vaccine passports are like the yellow stars that the Nazis put on Jews. Oh, you can't say that. And then she kowtows to the criticism. And she goes to the Holocaust Museum. And she comes out and licks the boots of these people shaming her, censoring her, making false accusations about all of this. And then even after she does that, that's not enough. You can't appease Nazis. And somebody who knows this, actually, better than Marjorie Taylor Greene, is Vera Sharav. She's a Holocaust survivor. She's a medical activist. And she said recently on a podcast, we should be feeling, quote, more than nervous about the current state of public health measures, including lockdowns, forced vaccinations, and testing, because testing is the central thing. With testing, they can lock you up before you're even sick. With testing, they can lock down an entire country if you've got the wrong kind of leaders, like they do in Australia and New Zealand. So uh, she said, fear is an extremely powerful psychological tool. It's been used by politicians always. The Nazis were particularly adept at it. Sharav believes that the Darwinian idea of survival of the fittest was adopted by public health officials. What happens with a public health policy is that public health officials decide who shall live and who shall die. This mentality is, according to her, what led to the tragedies that occurred in Germany. She's worried the same mentality has become ubiquitous in present-day public health and medical discourse. She said, I've come to the conclusion that when doctors become aligned with government, with corporations for that matter, that they discard their moral and professional responsibility to the individual patient, unquote. That's exactly what is happening. We have a fascist government that is aligned with the corporations, the pharmaceutical companies, the military-industrial complex that is happening there, the academic-industrial complex that Eisenhower also uh, warned us about as military-industrial complex speech, and it is that academic complex that is now the heart of the medical tyranny that is rolling out in this country. In her opinion, it is nonsense, she said, 
to suggest that sacrificing the rights of the individual is conducive to the greater good. She said this is in reference to the accepted orthodoxy of locking down society to protect a subset of the population. Quote, as public officials, they talk about the greater good. But who has the authority to decide what is the greater good? If the individuals are oppressed or relegated to third-class citizenship, what kind of society is it? And we're now at the gate of that. And I've put it this way. I've said, you know, if you want to know what the real threat to America is right now, it is the entire idea that there is a, a public health agency, that there are public health officials. We should eradicate that office. There's absolutely no reason to be concerned about public health. Individuals, private, individual health is being sacrificed to this imagined public health good. The individuals are being sacrificed to the herd. The individuals are being sacrificed to the village. Your children are being taken by the village. This has always been the orientation, the mentality of these Marxist authoritarians, uh, Hillary Clinton and the rest of them. It takes a village to train your child, so give them up. Get over this idea that your children belong to you. Get over this idea that it's your body, your choice. You don't have uh, uh, the ability to do that. We will decide what is in the interest of the most people. And we don't care about the individual. And when you don't care about the individual, you don't care about the herd either because the herd is nothing but a group of individuals. There is no such thing as group health or herd immunity if there is no individual immunity, if there's no lasting immunity, if you're not concerned about the rights of the individual. That's why America was not like these authoritarian societies because we put a preeminence on protecting the individual. Anything else empowers dictators to make decisions that are not in the interest of any of the individuals, but are in the interest of these officials. Because on animal farms, some animals are more equal than others. When asked about whether or not she believed we're in fact on the cusp of a Nazi-like Nazi society and why, she replied emphatically, quote, I absolutely do believe we're on the cusp of a Nazi-like society. One of the main things that has happened in these 18 months of the pandemic is that fear has been the major weapon, which has really crippled people from thinking straight. It has isolated people. It has taught children to distrust other people. They might be infected. They might infect me. That is why on the Monday, after Trump initiated all this stuff, on that Friday the 13th, on that Monday the 16th, I began the program by talking about fear because it was all based on fear and ignorance. They were playing to people's fear. It was very clear. And so I started by talking about the fact that the uh, signs that you're, you see so often, keep calm and carry on, made T-shirts out of that. Uh, that was put up in response to the idea that they'd just taken a shellacking and um, at Dunkirk uh, nearly had the entire British uh, force wiped out and uh, they were looking at the Nazis who are massing on the opposite shore, that small English channel there, and they knew the capabilities of the uh, German uh, Luftwaffe. But what they said was, keep calm and carry on. And the other was, freedom is in peril. Defend it with all your might. Churchill did not say, go hide 
in a building. Go hide in a cave. He said, we're going to fight him on the beaches. We'll fight him everywhere. And it's going to be blood, sweat, and tears. We're not ready for that yet here in America. And that's why I say you better start making preparations for yourself and your family individually. Because America doesn't have that kind of mentality. We bought into the fear. We bought into the appeasement. We are more like Neville Chamberlain than we are Winston Churchill. And they had a real threat, unlike this pandemic. They had a real threat. And I said that on the 16th of March. I said, we don't know what this is. I suspect that this is phony based on the pictures of people collapsing in the streets. I think that this is a tactic that is being modeled and pressured on us by the Chinese in order to recreate a kind of Chinese society. And I think I was vindicated in that, certainly by time, but also by being censored off of YouTube when I said at the beginning of the year that 2020 was the year that the world became China. We did. We adopted that. We tried to appease the virus. We tried to appease the Fauci fatwas. So um, she went on to say, and uh, this is especially for Marjorie Taylor Greene. You may want to listen to this, Marjorie. She stated that the forced masking is the equivalent of the yellow star of David that we as Jews had to wear. It demeans our humanity as free human beings. Marjorie Taylor Greene could not, expand, could not explain that. She could not defend that. And she appeased. But this is a woman who suffered through that. Who knows what it is? As a matter of fact, there's an article on vaccine impact talking about the White Rose Movement. We will not be silent. We are your bad conscience. The White Rose will not leave you in peace. This is a secret student resistance. There's at least one movie out about this that that we saw. But these are students who started printing out these pamphlets. They eventually caught uh, the, um, uh, the one who was at the center of it. But uh, these messages got out, and the Allies dropped them by the plane loads all across Germany. The messages even dropped into the concentration camps. And before her execution, Sophie declared her fury at the state of her country. But she also spoke about a more hopeful future. She said, how can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone who is willing to give himself up individually to a righteous cause. We'll be right back. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find 
at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com Tell Alexa to add the APS radio skill and have access to the best channels anywhere. From country to blues, classic hits to news, APS radio curates incredibly diverse playlists for you to enjoy. Get details at APSradio.com. And again, we're grateful to APS radio for carrying this program. You can find news. Uh, There's a a button that you can click up at the upper right-hand corner. We're also carried on Aftermath FM. Grateful to them as well. They carry us live. And um, it's free as when it is live. You can get an app from Aftermath FM as well. Uh, it is a fee to get archive programs, and there's a lot of archives that have been put there by Clyde Lewis. Uh, but, uh, and this program is archived there as well. So if you'd like to support that, if you'd like to get to the archives, you can find it there. Uh, we're also carried live by DLive and by Trovo. Now, uh, DLive does not keep programs for more than three days. Uh, so we also have uh, archives of the video program on uh, various uh, video platforms, BitChute, YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble. You can find those links if you go to thedavidnightshow.com. And please, uh, if you don't, you know, like I mentioned uh, uh, last week, I had somebody who um, was a supporter. They sent a note. They sent uh, some money, and they said, yeah. he said, uh, yeah, I listen to it all the time with a truck on Spotify. Like oh boy, hope he knows where we, are. <laughs> hope he knows where we are now. Yeah, he just disappeared. Um, so yeah, we're not on Spotify anymore, and uh, so as we add new places, and as the uh, technocrats take us down in the old places, uh, make sure that you go to the David Knight Show to find out where we are. And of course, we have podcasts uh, at uh, even though Spotify has shut me down, uh, we still go out to pretty much all the other places right now as well as a lot of smaller sites as well. So you can find all those links at thedavidnightshow.com. We really do appreciate you passing those around, appreciate you praying for our family, and also appreciate especially the support that people have been so kind to voluntarily give. And I understand it's a a difficult time right now for a lot of people. And we're going to be talking about that as I have a uh, message here from a person who was Uh, And many people have been sending this to me talking about the vaccine mandate that their employer is putting out there. Uh, That's going to become more and more prevalent. Uh, Before I get to the mandated shots, though, I want to talk about in terms of this kind of tyranny, in terms of even trying to save other people's lives. Here's an example from LifeSite News. A Florida doctor contacted them and said he was locked up in a hospital for pointing out the neglect of a patient. Now, um, he was in, this is a retired doctor. Uh, he's 70 years old. His name is Dr. Stefan Gufanti. Gufanti. He's in the Sarasota Memorial Hospital. You may want to mark that down if you're in Sarasota. Do not go to this hospital. Uh, you probably, I don't need to tell you that. You'll probably understand that when you hear the rest of the story. And now for the rest of the story, as uh, Paul Harvey would say. He's a retired physician who has worked as emergency room physician, prison doctor, 
and preventative medicine doctor, he noticed that the patient next to him, a 51-year-old marathon runner, admitted the day after he was admitted, was getting worse while his own health was improving. He said, I could see that they had missed pneumonia. A first-year resident would have known that it was bacterial pneumonia, he told uh, LifeSite News. He said he saw three blood tests showing increasing white blood cell counts and two x-ray reports indicating a worsening condition. They don't want to know. I mean, if he gets worse, they put him on a ventilator and they get more money, right? So he said um, that he asked the patient whose wife had died of cancer, who has three children, if he wanted him to be his patient advocate, and the unidentified patient agreed, and Gufanti asked the nurses to call his doctor. When the nurses refused to contact a doctor or to inform the patient of his doctor's name, he said um, the patient agreed to have his picture posted on Facebook. He said the nurses then responded by telling him that they would be moving him to another room. Instead, he then asked to be released. He said, bring me a form. Uh, I'll sign the form against medical advice form, which would allow him to leave without being formally discharged by a doctor. That's another thing for you to mark down. Because we have a lot of cases of medical kidnapping that are happening. Uh, And uh, technically, they're supposed to not be able to do that, although they do that frequently. Marty Gottesfeld is in prison because of the medical kidnapping of Justina Peltier by uh, Boston Children's Hospital, affiliated with Harvard. Uh, And he exposed that, and they put him in jail uh, for doing that. So what he was saying was, all right, you're not going to contact. I'm getting better, so just let me sign this form that I'm doing this against your medical advice, so you're released from this, but I want to get out of here so I can do something to help this guy. Instead, they physically restrained him. They wouldn't give him the form. They physically restrained him in a hospital bed, put him in an isolated room for four hours while they, quote, decided what to do next, unquote. He said the nurses laughed at him when he was forced to urinate in the bed while he was confined by four-point restriction. By mid-morning of August the 12th, he said he was formally discharged. At least six different nurses were involved, and they were considering how to justify what they had done after they had done it. And not one of them said, quote, why don't we just let him go home? He said, this is a systemic problem. In other words, this is not one nurse. This is something's part. It's a problem for your institution. He said the CEO of that hospital runs it like a prison. And the patients are inmates. I've been a doctor for nearly 50 years, and I can't remember a time when the nursing staff was informed that the patient's doctor needed to be notified, and they refused to call or even to tell who the doctor was. He told LifeSite News this last Monday that he heard that the unnamed patient was treated with antibiotics and ventilated. He said his life is in their hands. That's true. And so with all this, we've got the Biden administration deciding that they are going to, you think this is over? You think this is ever going to end? It will only end when we take this back from them. You know, we had uh, Boris Johnson say, we're going to have Freedom Day. And then on Freedom Day, and he did that in response to somewhere between a half million and a million people taking to the streets of London. So, oh, Freedom Day, two weeks. And then on Freedom Day, he announced more draconian measures coming up that would be phased in. Uh, they will not give us our freedom back. Let me repeat that. They will not give you your freedom back. 
They're going to continue to take it from you until you take it back from them. You are on parole if you have any more freedom than you did. And this is true in every one of these countries. It doesn't matter whether it's Australia, New Zealand, UK, America. It happens all across Europe. This is a global plan. It's no coincidence that these leaders of every single party have been meeting at these global confabs every few months. They either go or they have their family members go or they uh, have their administration people go, just like uh, uh, Trump had Ivanka and Jared go one year. Then he went back with him in 2019 to Davos and so forth. All these Bilderberg meetings, the Davos meetings, it's not a coincidence that these people were meeting together on a regular basis behind closed doors. They weren't just shaking hands and having drinks. When we went to the one in Copenhagen, uh, Karen and I went to that. And that was unusual because you can get right up to the building. I mean, we actually got into the building the day before, but uh, because we'd had reservations and then they shut those down. But um, so we said, oh, well, you don't have reservations? Um, it was a police day. We got there the day they were putting, they were putting film on all the windows so that people couldn't shoot cameras. So it was a reflective film so that you couldn't take pictures of what they were doing on the inside. And Karen, I thought, got the best information from that entire convention. I mean, we were right across the street. We could get pictures of uh, people going in all the time. Uh, Charlie Skelton and his wife uh, covered it on an annual basis out of the UK, and they'd never seen a Bilderberg like that before, where you were so close that you could actually see people. Usually it's way far away, and there's woods and armies of police officers, kind of like you see now in the streets of Melbourne, Australia. But that would be typical in terms of protecting these globalists, and you know that's what they're doing to everybody now, what they want to do to everybody. They want to make all of our society like a Bilderberg meeting. And uh, so one day... Um, <clears throat> Karen was over by one of the side entrances, and there was a guy. His name was uh, Ball, and he was the, uh, the shadow chance, chancellor of the of uh, the Exchequer. So you know they have uh, people who are in the positions. If the party is out of power, they pick people that they would put into those offices uh, to stay on those particular issues when they're out of power. And so this guy was. Um, uh, coming in through a side entrance and he was pulling his, his luggage on wheels, you know, behind him, like a, you see people doing at the airport, like a carry on bag. And he didn't have his badge and Karen started filming and he's like, Oh, uh, my, my pass and all this kind of stuff. Couldn't find it. So he, he, well, let me look in here. And he zips open his bag and there's nothing in the bag except papers. There, there was no, you know, razors and shaving cream or shampoo or shirts or anything like that. It was all just papers and just spilled out. And, uh, and then he's like clumsily trying to get it all back in and trying to find his past. And all it was kind of funny, but it also showed that this is not just a you know, cordial meeting where we get together and shake hands and get to know some of these people. Now he was loaded for business and they've been doing this on a regular basis. He subsequently, by the way, lost his re-election. He was the highest, uh, that next election, he was the highest-ranking official who got voted out. Um, hopefully that had something to do with what uh, was exposed on that. But 
the um, uh, when you see the amount of paper that these people are bringing to these meetings, and again, this guy was not even a government official at that time. He was a member of parliament, and um, you know, if they had been, if they'd had the majority, he would have been a a member of the administration, but he wasn't at that time. But he comes up with a suitcase just full of papers. And so now you got Biden who's decided to go to January the twenty January 2022. He's going to extend the mask mandates on airplanes. Why? I mean, this is kind of like Minority Report, isn't it? Somehow, Biden and all those people are doing predictive science. They know that uh, this is going to be another five months before uh, a pandemic. They just know this, just like they have been doing for the last 522 days. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Well, now we're going to need another month. Uh, now we're going to need another four months. Now we're going to need another six months. Now you see how it goes, right? And so um, this is Minority Report science. They're predicting the future here. Uh, the, uh, this is an astonishing amount of time, says Zero Hedge. Since the government initially told the general population that COVID would be overcome if everybody wore their mask and everybody got their vaccine, but now everybody, even if you have a vaccine to travel, which is what Biden wants to do, you will still have to wear the mask and they're still going to continue to extend this. Flight Attendants Union at Southwest Airlines has penned a letter to the CEO that overworked employees are, quote, weary, exhausted, frustrated, and forgotten. And starving for oxygen, by the way. They want to know why people won't work for them. They want to know why they can't get people to fill the jobs. These arrogant businesses that demand that their employees, whether it's a fast food place like Chick-fil-A or other places that demand their employees wear masks. I mean, they just kept this thing going even after the mask mandates were taken off. Every one of these corporations, the same thing. Same thing. They have no respect for their employees. You wear a mask all day. Even when the customers aren't wearing a mask. You wear a mask. You go stand outside because, uh, and take orders because we're not going to open up the dining room. You stand in the heat. You stand in the rain. And you wear a mask to take orders. And you can't figure out why people don't want to go work for you. And now you're going to dictate to them that they've got to take a genetic code injection? Or are you going to fire them? Getting fired would be the best thing that ever happened to them. They just don't know it. National Park Service is now mandating masks in buildings again. See, they give you a little bit of freedom, they take it off. They give you a little bit of, like I said, last year, it was over a year ago I said that. I had a, another reporter at InfoWars challenging me, how do you know they're going to just turn this on and off like a switch? I said, you can't figure that out? <laughs> You're a reporter? Uh, Democrats ignore their own mask rules. So who are they for? That's the Daily Caller. That's right. Who are they for? And then do you remember this um, this kerfuffle we had a couple of months ago? We had a uh, the state public health official, uh, the top public health official in charge of vaccines, was uh, pushing out a document telling the other health officials, you can vaccinate kids in Tennessee without getting the parents' permission or knowledge. Remember that? Her name was Michelle Fiscus, and they had her all. She was a hero to the left wing because she got fired by the uh, Tennessee Republicans. They fired her. 
And she said, they're, you know, I'm a victim and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm just trying to save lives by getting these kids vaccinated without their stupid parents' permission. Well, she's back in the news now because uh, desperate for attention, just like we've seen with these race pimps who, you know, paint uh, uh, a racial epithet on a, on a house or something like that and say, eh, that was, you know, they're, they're after me and I'm a victim and so forth. And then you find out they were the ones who did it. Well, it turns out that Dr. Michelle Fiscus claimed last month that uh, she was being intimidated and they loved hearing that on CNN, all the rest of the place. She was a victim. She said, people mailed me a muzzle. They mailed that to my house to send me a message. And she got a lot of publicity. This is uh, carried by Information Liberation, by the way. Uh, this is a lying, power-tripping bureaucrat. Because, yeah, it was mailed to her house. You know why it was mailed to her house? Because she ordered it on Amazon and paid for it. They found her, her credit card there. <laughs> so <laughs> Jeff Bezos is trying to intimidate me for uh, shutting down the vaccine program. He mailed a muzzle to my house. It's like, yeah, you bought it, used your credit card. She actually, when they started doing the investigation, this is how stupid this woman is. Uh, she didn't think they'd investigate something like that. And so as the uh, investigators got on the trail of this, uh, the Tennessee Department of Homeland Security said, all right, uh, let's find out about this. And they got a subpoena, and they found out that she had, that was ordered by an account that wasn't her. She had another Amazon account, and this account that she ordered it on was not under her name. But when they looked at the credit card, it was the same American Express credit card as it was on her other Amazon account. She used the same credit card. <laughs> Busted. Busted. Uh, this is reported by Axios. Tennessee investigation found evidence the state's fired vaccine chief, Michelle Fiscus, purchased a dog muzzle that she previously claimed someone had mailed to her in an attempt to intimidate her. The Tennessee Department of Homeland Security found through a subpoena that the Amazon package uh, was uh, traced back to a credit card and her name. <laughs> so maybe that will finally muzzle her. Maybe she'll muzzle herself. I seriously doubt it because even though this is typical of these little pettifogging bureaucrats who want to run your life, these little Marxist wannabes like Michelle Fiscus. She's now claiming that somebody stole her credit card, opened an Amazon account in her name in order to send her the intimidating muzzle. But, of course, she didn't report the card stolen. And she's used it since then. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, let me see. What happened to that? Yeah, that's the somebody stole my credit card. Yeah, that's what happened. So, yeah, this is the woman who wanted to vaccinate your children without your knowledge or permission. We've had Greg Abbott now. Test positive, although he's asymptomatic, although he is fully vaccinated, they say. He is now tested positive, and he is sheltering in place like a woman in Afghanistan. <laughs> he deserves it. Uh, will this be a learning experience for Greg Abbott? No. He already knew all this stuff. I'm absolutely convinced he knew all this stuff. He says he's now receiving... Regeneron's monoclonal antibody treatment. And I'm sure that the endorsement check is on the way. He could be using ivermectin. He could be using zithromycin to get rid of any bacterial infection in case he had it. You know, ivermectin is a good uh, prophylactic 
to keep anything from happening if he's actually worried. But here's something that's very telling. Not only does he not have any symptoms, but also his wife, Cecilia Abbott, tested negative. He's probably a victim of PCR nonsense. That's all it is. But they're playing along with it. And, and the other thing is that he's being taunted by the left. See, see, he got it, and he didn't want to have masks on everybody, and now he's got it. No, what he's got is a bad case of statistics and uh, over-magnification and the abuse and misuse of a PCR test, according to the guy who won a Nobel Prize for uh, creating it, Kerry Mullis. Canadians oppose vaccine passports, but mainstream media is uh, still pushing it. And this is from mainstream media's own polls. Uh, a Twitter poll conducted by the London Free Press there in Ontario. Uh, probably London, Ontario. Um, and um, they found that 82% of the respondents answered no to the question, do you think Ontario should implement a vaccine passport or a certificate program? They don't want it. Do you think that'll change it? Not if these people... Don't do something more visible in terms of civil disobedience. I'm telling you, if we don't stand up to this stuff, if we don't take to the streets, if we don't show ourselves and numbers, this is not going to end. I talked about how you had between a half million and a million people show up on the streets of England. The problem is, is that this is more typical of what usually happens. You've got protesters who have... Uh, claimed to seize Edinburgh Castle, uh, saying that under the Magna Carta, the government has violated um, their rights and liberties, and they're now seizing the capital. Well, you know, it's uh, under Article 61 of the Magna Carta. The Magna Carta has been overthrown. Uh, the uh, Constitution has, the Canadian Charter of Rights, and these types of things everywhere. And uh, so I think they got a point and I think if they had a few million more people, they could make it stick. But they've only got 20 people. So it ain't going to work. It's like the uh, 10 women who showed up to protest the Taliban in Kabul. It doesn't do it. If you've got a lot of people, you can do it. But if you've got a couple of dozen people who show up, it doesn't matter if you're right or not. Because it's going to be done by the numbers. The numbers. we got the numbers here. we got a large group of people here. Uh, they're going to boost the Constitution, and they did boost it. They stole it. They lied about it. Um, the eviction moratorium, as um, Libertarian Institute points out, a post-mortem on private property, and that's really what we're talking about here. Murray Rothbard said, quote, the right to contract is strictly derivable from the right of private property. And what we've seen with this egregious action by the CDC, which first happened under Trump last fall, was extended the first time under Trump. It's now been extended multiple times under Biden. It was given a pass by Kavanaugh at the Supreme Court because it came before them as a lower court judge uh, said, you don't have the authority to do this. It went to multiple jurisdictions. You had four lower courts, one appellate court that said there's no way the CDC has the authority to do this. You had one appellate court which said, no, they do. It went to the Supreme Court, and it was five to four to let them do it. 
even though the deciding vote, Kavanaugh, said that they had absolute no authority, absolutely no authority to do it, but that they were going to end it at the end of July, so he wasn't going to get in the way. So he let him go. And then they extended it again. And so when you look at this, <clears throat> the CDC is so far afield from its already presumptuous hubris of even existing as an organization in the Constitution. They have no authority for that. But again, overthrowing contracts, and that is the essence of private property. That's what they have done. And the whole purpose of this is to remove private property. Remember, 45% of homes that are being rented out are being rented out by individuals who used to live in it. Uh, they decided that in order to uh, try to get wealthier or accumulate wealth, just like the Chinese immigrants who are waiting tables and borrowed money and took out a loan and then loaned that out to other people trying to uh, build wealth, build capital. Uh, that Those people are not going to be made whole when all this thing is stopped. They will make the people, the big banks, they'll make BlackRock, they will give them the money back, but they're not going to make the individuals whole. I, you just know that. You've seen that already. And so, as uh, they point out, the Libertarian Institute here, they say the Founding Fathers did not include a universal pandemic exception, of course. Of course, they also did not authorize anything at all, like the CDC. They didn't authorize anything like the NIH. They didn't authorize anything like the FDA. Uh, these are inventions of the 20th century, manifestations of our uh, contempt for the Constitution. Contractual obligations were voided. Property was despotically taken with no compensation, and liberty was deprived without a hearing. That pretty much sums up what's happened with all this. And yet now, the Supreme Court gets another chance. And this is part of New York's eviction moratorium. So now, it's not the national moratorium by the CDC that Kavanaugh said, they don't have the authority to do that, but I'm going to give it to them for another few weeks because I don't want to disrupt the process. So now it's come back before them. It's part of a New York State's eviction moratorium because of COVID. And now, this time, the Supreme Court has said six to three. So now Kavanaugh, as well as Roberts, have gone to the other side on, on this now. Renters can no longer evade evictions by submitting a hardship declaration form to the state, explaining lost income due to the pandemic or that moving would harm their health. Uh, the only three to uh, say, no, you know, there's absolutely no exceptions to taking private property. Those three were Stephen Breyer, Alina Kagan, and uh, Sotomayor, uh, the uh, two women appointed by Obama. Moreover, the challenge law will expire in less than three weeks, wrote Breyer. So he gave the same justification that Kavanaugh did. Yeah, you don't want to do this. It's going to, first of all, you can take private property. It doesn't matter. And secondly, it's going to expire in three weeks, which is exactly what Kavanaugh said. He said, so such drastic relief is not appropriate at this time. Well, hopefully they're going to switch when it comes to vaccine mandates, but I don't think so. They contemptuously refuse to even hear it for college students. Uh, beginning with Barrett, and there wasn't a single judge who said, no, we really should hear that. I mean, that was amazing. That was like a 9-0 decision supporting vaccine um, mandates in order to live your life. Corporate, or we could say in this case, collegiate coercion, although the colleges are basically just big corporations as well. The USA, uh, the USDA is going to permanently boost food stamps 
<laughs> uh, by benefits by 25%. That tells you uh, what they really think inflation is. Let me tell you that if they're going to increase food stamp payments by 25%, they know that inflation is more than 25%, much more. And then there's the cruise ships. And we have uh, this report about what is happening on one of the Carnival cruise ships where they had multiply vaccinated people get sick on the Carnival cruise. This morning, trouble on the high seas. 27 COVID cases on board the Carnival cruise ship Vista, uncovered on day four of an eight-day cruise. U.S. health officials in Carnival did not release the number of positive COVID cases. Instead, it was revealed by the government of Belize. The outbreak discovered shortly before the ship docked there. 26 quarantined crew members and one passenger, some showing symptoms, others asymptomatic. 26-year-old Alyssa Mangum, who was on the Vista with her boyfriend, says she first heard of the outbreak online. I actually was not notified um, by the carnival ship at all until I saw it on social media first. When they finally told us like what was going on, everyone just kept going on with their vacation, but I think everyone started wearing their masks a little bit more. On Saturday, the Vista returned to Galveston, Texas. Some passengers seemingly unfazed that others were quarantined. All 27 who tested positive were vaccinated. Since the outbreak, new passengers on Carnival, regardless of vaccination status, must also show proof of a negative COVID test. Carnival says passengers who cannot get vaccinated because of their age or health reasons may still cruise, but they'll have to pay a $150 unvaccinated fee for testing. Yeah, do you think anybody back in the 80s or 90s when Kathy Lee was doing those commercials, you think anyway, believe uh, the insanity now? Uh, yeah, you got to get vaccinated. Oh, and if you don't, it's going to be an extra $150. And you're going to have to be tested whether you're vaccinated or not because they don't believe the vaccines work. And why would they believe the vaccine works when they've got 27 people who tested positive? Let's go back and take a look at uh, the uh, famous cruise ship, the Diamond Princess. And I've talked about this many times. Let's just go back and look at the numbers with that again. This is from uh, dailyskeptic.org, and they put together what I put together in articles about a year ago, uh, a little bit more than a year ago. And um, they said it told us about pre-existing immunity, about asymmetri uh, asymmetric, asymptomatic infection. Yeah, we, you know, we had asymmetric warfare in Afghanistan. I guess we've got asymptomatic warfare here under the Fauci fatwas, don't we? Uh, and about infection fatality rates. So why did we ignore all of that stuff? You know, pre-existing immunity, asymptomatic infection, and a case fatality rate. So let's look at the numbers. 3,711 passengers and crew on the Diamond Princess. This is the cruise ship that was uh, uh, put on quarantine for a couple of weeks off the coast of Japan. And you had a guy who went on there, and he said, I've never been so afraid in my life. He says, I've been to the Ebola uh, outbreaks and so forth. But this is crazy because there wasn't any kind of uh, precautions being taken, even after they had some people who tested positive for this deadly pandemic that's going to kill everybody. Right? That's what they're feeding everybody. Uh, last year, last March, it was 9th of March, 2020, at the very beginning of all this. It's so just a few days before Fauci got Trump to sign that uh, executive order. So on the 9th of March, uh, you had this. So, 
Uh, you had uh, 3,711 passengers and crew. The median age was 58. Now, remember this because we're going to talk about what's going on with the medical mandates on American Navy ships coming up. The median age on those uh, Navy ships is not 58, is it? The virus had circulated undetected for two weeks. So given that masked-up health officials caught COVID on board, it's probably safe to assume that everybody on the ship, or possibly only almost everyone, had already been exposed. So it's circulating on the ship for two weeks. On a ship, very tight quarters. Everybody's eating in the same places. Many people are eating at the same time. Going to shows and all this other kind of stuff. So uh, uh, this has been circulating for two weeks. Everybody on board got a PCR test. They found that only 619 people out of 3,711 tested positive. 17%. Only 17%. Under those conditions, this is how contagious it is. You know, this is, but yet we've got one case locking down, um, you know, a city in um, uh, Australia, locking down the entire country of New Zealand, one case. And yet you had 619 cases, 17% of the people tested positive, of which half of them were symptomatic and half of them were asymptomatic. So you had 301 symptomatic cases, 318 asymptomatic cases. But again, this was circulating around with everybody in close quarters eating together for two weeks, and still only 17% of the people got it, and only half of them had any symptoms. Of the observed deaths, you had six people who were between the ages of 70 and 79 who died. One person who was between the ages of 80 and 89 died. So it's not, reasonable, it's not unreasonable to suggest that 83% of the passengers and crew could have uh, taken care of this with prior immunity, could have taken care of it with their own immune system. Of the positive tests, half of them were asymptomatic. Of those who tested positive, 1% died, approximately. Uh, no one died under the age of 70. So why are we doing all of this? And why, even more amazingly, are we doing this to Navy ships? You have an officer with the U.S. Navy. Uh, it is, um, this uh, officer's name is Commander J.H. Furman. This is an article on Revolver. Uh, he is warning of a full-blown national security threat if the military moves ahead with its planned universal COVID vaccination mandate. In a memorandum released on Monday, you have uh, Biden's Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, the military genius who presided over Afghanistan, uh, announced his intention to require a COVID-19 vaccine for all service members by mid-September, or as soon as it gets FDA approval. So even if they don't get FDA approval, they're going to do it by mid-September. Now, this is what Commander Furman writes. He says, quote, The forced vaccination of all military personnel with the present vaccines may compromise U.S. national security due to the unknown extent of serious vaccine complications. Further study is needed before committing the total force to one irreversible experimental group. He said initial reports leave more concern for the COVID vaccines than for the virus itself, especially for the exceptionally healthy young military population. 
Furman is a career U.S. Naval officer who has just put his career on the line, by the way, for saying that. Uh, he is a naval av- aviator, a foreign area officer with extensive experience advising senior military, diplomatic, and international organization leadership. His key points are this. He's got four. Number one, the average member of the U.S. military is young and in excellent physical fitness, unlike a cruise ship. (laughs) If you've ever been on a cruise ship, if you saw Wally on that spaceship, you've got all the people morbidly obese, you know, Going on these uh, automated uh, things, that's that's not too far off from reality that I've seen. Anyway, um, it's not like what was depicted by Kathy Lee Gifford on those commercials. Uh, Karen went hysterical laughing at the, the way that they showed uh, the cruise ships. Uh, anyway, the average member of the U.S. military is young and in excellent physical fitness. Two categories that are nearly immune to the dangers of COVID. So far, only 24 people out of 2.2 million military personnel have died of COVID, a rate of less than one per 91,000 people. And I would say, did they, were they sure about those deaths? Did they do an autopsy? You know, I mean, remember we had uh, the first swine flu that began in the military. They scared these people. Chris Wallace's dad, Mike Wallace, on 60 Minutes, did the report. There's a lady who was suffering lifelong consequences of not being able to walk properly. She'd been under long therapy. She got to where she could walk with braces. But she said, I looked at this and I saw this is a, a young soldier in basic training who died from the swine flu. This stuff has got to be really dangerous. So I went down and got the vaccine. And of course, it wasn't true. You know, when he collapsed, uh, there was a uh, the drill sergeant gave him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. The drill sergeant didn't get sick at all. Uh, so anyway, uh, there is reason to believe. So do you really believe that even those uh, 24 people out of 2.2 million, do you believe that they really died from that? Yeah, we were told at the, to kick off the swine flu thing in the 19th, was it 1976, that uh, it was a military soldier. They knew that, all right, except it wasn't true. Uh, There is reason to believe severe, point number two from Commander Furman, there's reason to believe severe or even fatal side effects from existing COVID-19 vaccines are more common than reported and could even prove deadlier to otherwise healthy servicemen. Point number three, there's also the outlier possibility that the mRNA vaccines may have unanticipated negative effects on the immune systems of the recipients. And point number four, currently the U.S. military has proven completely capable of weathering COVID-19 without a loss of effectiveness. So forcefully making the entire service a test case for a novel type of vaccine is a pointless risk. Pointless risk. Mandated Trump shots. New York City, as I pointed out earlier, will impose a $2,000 fine on businesses who serve the unvaccinated. How dare you? You mean they didn't have um, they didn't have the magic piece of paper? You mean they didn't wear their burqa? I mean, their mask? And if you're vaccinated, all of New York City is going to open up to you. You will have the key, says de Blasio. You can open the door, but if you're unvaccinated, you will not be able to participate in many things. 
Again, almost a direct quote of what the Chinese communists were saying to people about their social credit system. They had a red, yellow, green system about that. And they said, uh, if you do everything that we want you to do, the whole world is your oyster, right? But if you don't, if we don't like what you do or say, you won't move an inch. You won't have a job. You won't even be able to ride the subway. And that's what de Blasio is saying. We need to have these strong, clear mandates. Businesses that fail to adhere to the local government's edict will face a $1,000 fine for the first offense, and it will double to $2,000 for the second. This is an escalator approach, he says, to make it clear that people have to conform with the law. With the law. Do you have to conform to the law, you petty Marxist? He is a Marxist. I'm not a, you know. Uh, he honeymooned in Cuba. You know, he loves the Soviet Union, just like Bernie. We want people to enjoy the fullness of the city, but you've got to be vaccinated to do it. Why? Because even the vaccinated on these cruise ships are getting sick. The vaccinated are going to have to wear masks. The vaccinated are going to have to get their temperatures taken and so forth. Uh, they'll let you on if you're not vaccinated, but they'll charge you an extra $150. Oh, that should keep everybody safe, right? Uh, if they charge an extra $150, then you won't be able to transmit that to anybody. And, um, you know, there'll be some other punishments available as well, I'm sure. Eva Bartlett, writing for RT, says, I'll likely only see my family on a screen from now on because I don't want the jab. So what happened to my body, my choice? She said, my country, Canada, has chosen to implement increasingly draconian and frankly unscientific policies in the name of quote-unquote protecting people. What Canadian authorities are really doing is ensuring an uptake of the jabs, the experimental jabs. Don't want to take them? Well, then you're not welcome in Canada or New York City or Los Angeles. She said, um, um, instead, uh, her case, she said she didn't have a, a positive uh, PCR test I'm sorry, this is a woman who was sent back to Europe who couldn't see her mother. Uh, she said she didn't have a, this is another RT writer. I read that article last week. Uh, said she didn't take a, have a positive PCR test. She said, uh, my immunity was confirmed post-recovery uh, via two lab tests for COVID antibodies taken nearly five months apart, proving that my COVID antibody levels are significant and also haven't budged at all between the two tests. My doctor certified this result last month and a note with a heading COVID immunity certificate, but they don't care. Certainly not the Canadian government, certainly not the uh, liberal governments of California and New York. It doesn't matter. They don't care. And we have to pretend, of course, that natural immunity does not last more than three months because even under their wildest imagination, they can't imagine their experimental jabs doing anything uh, for more than three months. And we have to pretend that natural immunity is not a real thing, that you only get immunity from their artificial genetic code injections, which, as I pointed out yesterday, they're not even vaccines. A vaccine trains your immune system to fight it. And if you have recovered from a sickness, your immune system is already trained, and your immune system does not forget when it's seen the real thing. It does forget uh, or not even get activated when you get these vaccines. That's why they started putting the stuff like um, uh, mercury 
and uh, aluminum into the vaccines to irritate your immune system. They call them adjuvants. And so thimerosal, which has mercury in it, other things injected in there to irritate your immune system, but it still is not the real thing. And so it does not uh, create immunity. Uh, you got, as I pointed out last week, a guy named Jason Isbell, uh, who is a country and Western, uh, I would say has been now, because um, he came out and said after he is demanding everywhere that he plays, has to uh, have people that are all vaxxed up and have a vaccine passport and all this stuff. And so uh, last week I reported that uh, venue that he was going to have a concert at said, uh, well, never mind. And so he is now doubling down and virtue signaling to The Guardian and other uh, quote-unquote news outlets of that ilk. And he had this to say, we aren't all dumb hillbillies and country music. To which I'd say, that's right, Jason, just you. Just you. Speak for yourself. You're the dumb hillbilly. You're the one who can't think critically. You're the one who has the sheepish mentality that does everything that believes everything that you're told because it's told to you by somebody that CNN has told you or the Guardian has told you as an authority figure. Uh, so if venues don't comply, he's vowed not to play. And he's already had um, a canceled, two canceled shows. The uh, Oakland Raiders are going to require proof of vaccination at home games. And again, when we're talking about where this is headed, frankly, I'm not worried about getting kicked out of some entertainment venue. Uh, it is just a harbinger of what is coming overall. But when they kick us out of work, when they kick us out of transportation, when we can't cross state lines as Biden wants to do, when we can't even shop at retail or at grocery stores, which is what L.A. wants to do, you better pay attention. It's coming much faster than you think. You know, we look at what's happened in Afghanistan and we say, how in the world could they be that obtuse? How could they, in their hubris, think that they weren't going to collapse? I mean, he had a lot of people who were predicting what was going to happen for quite some time. There was no reason for them to be doing what they were doing. And yet, when we look at what has been happening for the last 522 days, is there a reason for doing any of this? No. Can we imagine that our society... Uh, that America, that Canada, that Australia, New Zealand, that Europe is going to, the U.K. is going to collapse very suddenly? No. In that regard, we're just like the pentagram. We can't imagine that things are going to change very rapidly. As I pointed out, quoting that character from the Hemingway novel, you know, very wealthy guy who went bankrupt, and they asked him the character in the book, and they said, how do you go you got that much money, how do you go bankrupt? He said, uh, first gradually, then suddenly. This is the way we go into a new technocratic dark age. First gradually, then suddenly. Uh, we, um, I wanted to get to this yesterday, but I didn't. It was, uh, I was talking yesterday about uh, some Jewish synagogues, about uh, a... Uh, uh, Another, uh, it was a yeshiva that was kicking uh, students out and so forth. Uh, if they're not vaccinated, just don't bother to show up. Uh, we don't care if it's high holy days, just don't show up. Then I talked about Christian church that had been closed for 18 months. It was a large black church, 3,000 people in the outskirts of Atlanta. They fired 
staff who were not vaccinated. They told everybody, don't bother to show up if you're not vaccinated. And since the kids aren't vaccinated, we don't want any kids at the church either. If you are vaccinated, you will have uh, temperature checks at the door. You will have to wear masks. You'll have to do all the social distancing stuff that everybody else is doing 522 days ago. But that most, uh, a lot of churches abandoned that last summer. And uh, they're still alive, by the way. But uh, when they were firing these staffers for not getting the vaccine mandates, they didn't even offer them the opportunity to do a religious exemption. But there are some churches that are different. And so uh, CBS reports out of uh, Sacramento, local churches there are offering religious exemption for their people who do not want the vaccine. Some local churches are providing this uh, as uh, they feel forced as more jobs are starting to require vaccination. So to help the people who are there who do not want to be coerced into getting an experimental jab, a jab that they believe harkens or certainly rhymes with the mark of the beast in the sense that you'll not be able to work or to buy or to sell or to trade or to travel without getting this thing, whatever the thing is. So uh, these, uh, some of these pastors are giving people religious exemptions. You have Pastor Greg Farrington of Destiny Christian Church in Rockland spoke out about the religious exemptions that he's now offering to anyone who requests one from him. He said the church is pro-freedom, not anti-vaccine. And he says he's been approached by hundreds of people who feel morally compromised by mandatory vaccination requirements. Pastor Matthew Oliver shared what his church vaccine exemption note looks like. And he says that people have a right to their religious freedom. They want, he said, the right to be able to choose what they're going to put into their body, unquote. So then uh, CBS says, but do employers have to abide by those religious exemptions? Uh, Mark Spring, a labor attorney, says definitely not immediately. He says that you can simply say I'm morally compromised or I don't want to take the vaccine and they're going to hand you some form that would not qualify in my view if challenged or tested by an employer or government agency. Well, you know what? These people are not your slaves. And you are not their masters. And as I pointed out yesterday, Pfizer is not mandating vaccines for their employees. They said, you don't have to tell us your vaccine status even. And if you've got a medical exemption or a religious exemption, you just declare it. We're not going to force you to prove it. That's Pfizer saying that. You can write your own exemption. And you can refuse to even tell us if you're vaccinated or not. Now, they said if you don't do that, you'll have to get a PCR test once a week. But that's a lot looser than these other organizations are putting out there, isn't it? You know, I had a listener who uh, sent, he works for a AT&T, and uh, he sent me the letter that AT&T put out to their employees. To all U.S.-based AT&T communications, uh, as well as Latin American employees, starting August the 13th, we'll implement the CDC's new guidance on face coverings at work locations. This means everyone, vaccinated and unvaccinated, needs to wear a face covering indoors. Get your burkas. This applies to all employees, non-payroll employees, contractors, visitors, entering an AT&T work location. 
Administration call center, field, retail store employees, regardless of vaccination status, you are required to wear a face covering indoors, unless alone in an office or an enclosed space. We're going to require that most managers who come back to the work locations be vaccinated by October the 11th, unless they get an approved job accommodation. We're going to begin with the managers. Why? Because uh, they got more leverage over them. They're making a little bit more money. They've got more time invested. They view this as a career instead of as uh, uh, a form of slavery. Um, they said, if you already are vaccinated, thank you. Please make sure you upload your vaccine card. Get ready, folks. <laughs> um, you are not yet va- If you're not yet vaccinated, you will need to make plans to do so by October 11th. In the meantime, you will need to work from home until you're fully vaccinated. And by the way, you're not going to be able to uh, do anything about a vaccine card with your employer. You can't assume to be a different identity with that. Um, if you can get vaccinated, you will need to apply and be approved for an accommodation if you can't do it. And discuss with your supervisor the possibility of moving to a job that you can do from home until further notice. Uh, while the required vaccination policy doesn't currently apply to our union-represented workforce, that's why they're, another reason why they're going for the managers, because some of the unions are protecting their employees. Not all of them. You know, NFL, you had players saying, what's going on with our union? Why aren't they doing anything for us? Uh, there will be limited exemptions for specific circumstances. They don't say anything in here about why they would give you an exemption or what conditions uh, you would have an exemption for. And so... Um, uh, the listener says, um, uh, AT&T management was notified that most of us who need to be fully vaccinated to continue to work. They're pushing those of us who have not been vaccinated. Uh, typically, the system is being used by employees that become permanent or temporarily disabled. So they are treating being non-vaccinated as a disability, and you will be treated as such. But, of course, they won't give you the kind of ado- uh, accommodations that they do under the Americans with Disabilities Act. No, instead of getting a helping hand, you'll get the back of the hand. That's what these corporations are going to do. Uh, So they updated the system to allow for religious exemptions, but I highly doubt that they would allow any exceptions as the company is very hostile to Christians. Now I find myself in the middle of this fight. I live in a growing area. I won't mention where that is. I don't want to get in trouble. He says, I'm scared to death. I don't know what to do. The walls are closing in. And I feel like I and my family will be on the run forever if this whole matter does not resolve soon. Any words of advice or direction to legal help would be appreciated. Well, there are legal venues that are being put together. But let me just say this. You know, we, a lot of times we come to the end of our rope. And it's an opportunity for God to show us that if we trust him, uh, he will provide for us. If you're doing this out of sincere uh, concern, and um, and even if you're just concerned about your health, understand that as a Christian you have the promise that we have seen, as uh, as David said in the Psalms, uh, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen uh, the righteous forsaken. Or their children. begging for bread. And so, you don't know what the future holds, as I say, but you know who holds the future. And you need to trust God. I mean, there are things that we can do. 
There are things that we should do. Legal challenges, prepare for living underground, um, prepare, move to an area, move, maybe move your job if you can. There are things that you can do. And there is a closing window of opportunity to do that. But the other thing that you need to do is, um, you know, from a practical standpoint, as I've said many times, uh, make sure that you are connected to a community of fellow believers who have discernment about the times that we are living in. And just understand that no matter what happens, God will work that for your ultimate good. And it could be a very difficult situation. You know, we could look at a situation, look at the people who are in Afghanistan, the Christians, the pastors who remain behind. They place their life in God's hand. They may lose their life, but they have determined that they are going to follow God, whatever the consequences are. And so that is your ultimate orientation. Now, you know, pray about it. God listens to prayer. Uh, God, uh, you know, we, and I would suggest just to kind of, uh, you know, just as an inspirational thing, uh, go back and get the book. Uh, this is, you know, I don't have any lawyers to tell you because quite frankly, I don't really trust lawyers or the legal system. And I've said that many times. <laughs> you know, I, it's not so much the lawyers I don't trust. It's the courts that I don't trust. They're politically appointed people. Uh, the courts in this country are, are corrupt. And, uh, you know, they, they do things like they rig uh, the evidence that is allowed to be presented and so forth, or they just exclude certain discussions of law. Uh, but I would suggest that you go back and you look at the, the biography, the autobiography of George Mueller. This is a guy who had absolutely nothing, and yet he completely relied on God, and he kept it as a diary because he wanted people to see that God was not somebody who wound up the universe and then took off and he's going to be coming back someday to check on things. You want people to see how he was active in his everyday life and how he answered prayer. And he kept a diary of it. And you could see what happened. It's an amazing story. His life story is absolutely amazing what God was able to do through, his, uh, through this guy who had absolutely no money, how God would give him... exactly what he needed when he needed it so these are the times that you need to understand that so if you look at that you understand and he did that because he wanted people to understand that he wanted people to understand that God is active now. He wanted people in our day and age to understand that as well. And, um, and I think it's, it's important for you to look at that. And I would also suggest that you keep your own diary. And when you see how God has helped you and intervened in, in certain points, uh, then you will uh, be encouraged in that as well. Because that will happen. Let's talk quickly about the headline news. We nearly are out of time. The DEA has seized the life savings of a New Orleans grandfather without charging him with a crime. Now, this is not a new story, unfortunately. The first time I became aware of civil asset forfeiture was in the uh, late 
1980s, early 1990s, and it was a very similar situation to this one in particular. I'll tell you first this situation. A New Orleans grandfather says the Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, took his life savings based on flimsy accusations of drug trafficking without ever charging him with a crime. Kermit Warren, a former longshoreman, says he and his son had gotten laid off from their jobs last year because of COVID lockdowns. And now the government is here to help him even more. He and his son were trying to turn a side business of being scrappers into a full-time venture. And to that end, he and his son traveled to Ohio with roughly $28,000 to purchase a tow truck. However, he claims the tow truck was too large for his needs, so he and his son bought a one-way ticket back home. In the airport, three DEA agents stopped the two men and questioned them about the bag of cash that they were carrying. So the complaint against Warren's money, let me repeat that, the complaint is against his money. When you look at these cases of civil asset forfeiture, the person is not convicted of a crime. They're punished without conviction. They're punished without even being charged with a crime. The property is charged with a crime. So it'll say the U.S. government versus $28,000 in cash, or the U.S. government versus this car, serial number, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so the uh, complaint against his money uh, was because they say that he and his son gave suspicious and incomplete answers when they were accosted by nosy, officious officers who had absolutely no reason to ask them any questions. They gave suspicious answers uh, about their travel itinerary and their plans to buy a truck. And based on that, the agents seized his money. The complaint alleges that a drug dog later alerted on the cash. A drug dog will alert on any cash. Uh, you can find traces of cocaine and a lot of other things on money. Every bit of currency that's been in circulation will be uh, alerted by a drug dog. Nothing new about that. The DEA had previously, they said, received a tip of drug trafficking activity at his son's residence, but he denies any involvement in drug activity. And of course, that's exactly what you would expect these armed robbers to say, because that's what happens. They partner with us. They, they uh, steal people's cash. They split it. They keep it for their department. This is called civil asset forfeiture. As I said, the first time I was aware of this, there was a guy who was a, another poor man, he was in the landscaping business. He had $9,000, and he was going to travel, uh, take a plane on one leg, and he was uh, uh, picking up a truckload of stuff uh, that was at the other location, and he was going to pay for it with the $9,000 cash, and then he was going to drive that back. And they stopped him at the uh, airport and found the cash. They noticed that he was paying in cash, and he had a big wad of cash. And so the DEA took all of his money. But he was a legitimate guy, just like this guy. And um, then I started looking at this, and I started finding case after case after case like this. Uh, he is being represented by the Institute for Justice. The government said the Institute for Justice shouldn't be able to take every dollar, or sorry, he said this, shouldn't be able to take every dollar that I've saved up when I've committed no crime. And he's not been charged with any crime. Since they seized my money, it's been very difficult for me to provide for my family and to pay my bills. The way government has treated me made me feel like dirt. I hope I'm not only able to get my money back, but to stop this nightmare from happening to anybody else. 
The Institute for Justice is currently litigating a separate class action lawsuit on behalf of people whose cash was seized by the DEA at airports. One of the lead plaintiffs in the case, Stacy Jones, I reported this case as well, $43,167 in cash seized by the DEA as she was trying to fly home to Tampa from Wilmington, North Carolina. She says the cash was, on, was from a sale of a used car, as well as money that she and her husband intended to take to a casino. Terrence Rowland, a 79-year-old retired railroad engineer, had his life savings of $82,373 seized by the DEA after his daughter tried to take a flight out of Pittsburgh with the intent of depositing it in a bank. After that case went public, the DEA returned the money. And now, after this case has gone public, they've agreed to return the cash that they took from Jones. But the Institute for Justice argues that the DEA and the TSA's practice of seizing cash from travelers at airports violates the Fourth Amendment. And it is a widespread practice. Let me just say, they would not be turning this back uh, because of bad PR if this was something that was, was legitimate. I'll never forget the look on Megyn Kelly's face when I mentioned the term civil asset forfeiture when she came to InfoWars to interview people. And I said something about, she wanted to talk about Trump. And I said, well, I don't support uh, his, um, his torture program and some of the other things. She goes, oh, you know, I said, I'm basically a libertarian focused on liberty in my orientation. And um, she goes, oh, oh well. Uh, and I said, and, and civil asset forfeiture. When I said civil asset forfeiture, she got this blank look on her face. She said, what is that? She's paid like $25 million by Fox News. She's a lawyer by training. She doesn't care about that. It's like, how does my hair look? Did you know that Santa Claus is white? Uh, can you get my wardrobe lady in here? It's absolutely pathetic what they're focused on. 162 Minnesota school principals sign a pledge to decenter whiteness. That's right. Um, so we want to teach young kids to be racist. We want to teach young kids to hate people because of the color of their skin. We want these young people that are being trained in schools now to feel that they are justified when they attack and kill your kids and your grandkids when they get older. This is why you've got to get your kids out of these schools, why you need to defund these schools. You need to get your kids uh, first of all, get your kids educated in Christian principles so that they, don't, they understand that you are not to be identified by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character, that we're all created in the image of God, and you don't start creating some kind of a caste system here. That's what critical race theory and intersectionality is about. Calling themselves the good trouble principles, these 162 school principles in just one state, uh, and as good trouble principles, that's something that good trouble is something that uh, John Lewis uh, came up with. Uh, they appeared to present themselves as courageous heroes, willing to make a sacrifice for justice, knowing that they may, quote, pay the price. Uh, this is a Breitbart article. Quote, white children have been done a great disservice by sustaining white centered schools in America over all these years, said the principals, 162 of them. And it is to their equal benefit to thrive in schools where they are not spoon-fed the poison 
that they are better because of their skin color. Uh, they are not pushing a colorblind society. Again, it's all about white, 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 white-centered, white. I mean, to, for them to say uh, that uh, they're going to teach them that they're not better because of their skin color, what they're going to be teaching them is that they're inferior because of their skin color. And so the uh, four-point program that they have here, one of them is dismantling practices that reinforce white academic superiority like bias and testing. In other words, let's get rid of tests. I'm not going to have a meritocracy here because that's white. You know, meritocracy, that's just a white idea. Labeling, tracking, and clustering represents an Americanized version of a caste system, they said. No, their intersectionality, their critical race theory, that is a caste system. It's a caste system. They want to reconstruct school. They want to speak truth to power, they said. They want to prioritize the, quote, decentering of whiteness, unquote. Over the basic responsibility of teaching children, they said, to read, write, and do basic arithmetic, said a uh, person who was pushing back on them, said, you know, to prioritize this decentering whiteness over basic education is troubling, but it is not good trouble. The principal said, we have fire in our bones and conviction in our hearts to see these walls come down just like 1989 Berlin. And uh, one of the people pushing back on this said, well, while they cheer the collapse of an authoritarian regime in 1989, their version of quote-unquote good trouble is pretty authoritarian. By the way, we have now at the University of Texas, it was originally reported this guy had been hired as a professor, but he's in part of the graduate program. But do you remember a couple of years ago, actually it was back in 2016, at West Point, you had a soldier who was photographed opening up his dress uniform to show that he had a Che Guevara shirt under it. And then he had, um, as he raised his fist in a sign of um, power and hate, he also showed his hat, and on the inside of his hat he had written, Communism will win. Well, he was removed from the Army on other than dishonorable discharge. And now he is a graduate student right here in Austin at the University of Texas. What a great place this is. Uh, Twitter is testing a way to report misleading tweets. Uh, they want more people reported by the uh, snitches. By the way, that's just another reason for me to remind you to look for us at thedavidnightshow.com. And the UN's, UN is now... Uh, resurrecting the dead hockey stick. You remember that for the longest time. That was Michael Mann. It was also used uh, by to great effect by Al Gore in his convenient lie. Actually, he called it the inconvenient truth back in 2006. But uh, Michael Mann is somebody that the um, uh, organization I used to work for was directly involved in. He was right there at the core of Climate Gate, as I pointed out, began in East Anglia. And, but he was an American guy who was exchanging uh, emails with the climate uh, uh, non-scientists at uh, East Anglia. They were talking about how they could hide the decline, and they loved what he had come up with. He came up with an idea where he could use proxy data, and that's what we sued him for. We said, we want to see the data. You can't see my data. Well, you did the data while you were at work. You did the data while you were at work at a public institution, University of Virginia at the time. And then you published that data, and public policy was crafted around that data. So we would like to see the data. Can we see the data? No, you can't see the data. 
eventually was discovered that one of the things that he liked to do was to um, go back and look at tree rings and uh, infer past temperatures based on tree rings and then to substitute actual temperature data that had been taken recently and that for the most part the temperature data was taken by thermometers that were located on airport tarmacs as opposed to then this was something back when we lived in North Carolina lived out in the woods and when we would drive home I could watch the temperature gauge on the um, on the car as we went from the big city of Raleigh out to where we worked you could watch the temperature and it would consistently drop four degrees as we would get out in the forest uh, and um, <laughs> <laughs> Where you put the temperature? <laughs> I mean, these people talk about the entire planet's going to melt because they're going to have a one and a half degree rise in temperature. I would see a four degree variation on a daily basis between uh, where I was located during the temperature thing. And so that was the other game that they played. So they had tree rings and they had this. And so now what the UN has done, uh, they actually, in the emails, the ClimateGate emails that came out, one person said, I just completed Mike's nature trick of adding in real temperatures to a given series from tree rings, blah, blah, blah. And now they have done this on steroids with the UN and the IPCC, the people that are pushing all this uh, climate change, which is the basis, has been the basis for the Great Reset and will become the basis for more aspects of that. We'll cover that tomorrow, but we're at the end of our program. Thank you for listening, and here's where you can find us. Has your news been censored, banned, censored, banned over and over again? Has vital information been held prisoner by mainstream and anti-social media? It's the duty of every thinking person to make the great escape to the davidnightshow.com. There you'll find links to live streams, videos, audio podcasts, and support links. Live stream the show at DLive and Trovo every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Videos at BitChute and YouTube. New audio podcast, The Real David Knight Show, at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, and more. But even though there's a light at the end of the tunnel, without your support, the show will run out of gas. The links to support the show are at thedavidknightshow.com to donate via Subscribestar, donate via or donate via Cash App, Bitcoin, or P.O. Box. Our sincere thanks to all of you who have stood with us to get this far. Please don't forget to share the links and pray for the country as well as our family.